This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Vackra, snälla, Everybody! To another episode of Keeping Carl's Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys on Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me are two great co-hosts. Of course, the one you all know and love, the fantasy hockey robot Brian Com is here. Say hello, Brian. Hi, everybody. I'm here. It's so nice to be with you yet again for another episode of like one of the most important episodes of the season. And we have our draft episodes, those are big first couple of weeks of the season every episode's big but this one going into what is most people's first rounds of the playoffs huge week some different advice than usual i think you're gonna hear on this week's show so uh don't stop listening now stay tuned i mean if you are tuning out now before we even started anything then like why i mean i guess i appreciate you giving us the download number but okay since it's such a big episode and we've got so many important things to discuss we've brought in a ringer we've got the host of the stream scheme podcast which is actually only a podcast available to keep in carlson patrons but this guy knows his stuff when it comes to making decisions for the week looking at the schedule and making the most of it it is our great friend dave Betton. hello dave Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. And yeah, those who don't know me, I am host of the Stream Scheme, the occasional podcast that happens that focuses on streaming players for the next week. And what better week to do that than playoffs, baby? Playoffs? We're talking about playoffs? That's right. Now's the time to get down to the nitty gritty, cut some of those undroppable players that you would have never thought to do before. We're going to do it. Let's get right into it. Yeah, we're going to be really ruthless this week. I think I'm going to be bringing up a lot of schedules of teams for this week and next week. And we're going to discuss if someone's cold, I'm going to be asking you guys the tough questions. Do we let this guy go or do we hold on because we think the upside is there? Of course, before we get into everything, let's of course mention that we are presented proudly by DauberHockey.com. It's the best fantasy hockey website in the world. You got to check it out. It's going to help you out for your plans. You're going to get articles every day discussing things going on to help you make your streaming decisions. Plus all the tools that I use to prep the show over at Frozen Tools. I I love the line combinations, the player profiles. You need the starting goalies. It's all there. DauberHockey.com. But okay, yeah. We are at the time of the season where the schedule means everything. There's no point having a player on your team that won't even play, and then you get eliminated from the playoffs. And you're like, hey, at least I had Andre Kopitar, except he was on my bench on Saturday, and he gave me one game all week. You know, like, you got to take a look and see who you can cut. And also, on the other side, who's available that's going to get you some games. And when you're comparing players, their value comes a lot in their number of games played. Of course, 
there is the other way to look at it, right? Sometimes people could go too far, not to call you out, Brian, because you probably made the right decision. Hopefully you're going to win your matchup this week, but you had to drop Travis Sanheim because Philly only played twice this week. And hey, Sanheim got two assists, was plus four, had four hits yesterday. That's the production you'd expect from a defenseman like him for a whole week, right? Two assists in like three games would be nothing too shabby. You let him go. So that's the kind of thing we're going to have to weigh here. Do we think a player that's like a good player is going to be able to produce, you know, even in a few games to make up for a lack of games. I don't know. So, Brian, what's your general take for the playoffs? Like, how do you go about making these decisions? Let's just get some quick meta discussion out of the way before we get into the specific players. Okay, well, first, just to clarify, anybody doubting my judgment here, I dropped Travis Sanheim because he had one game remaining. And, yes, it was a glorious game, but I dropped him for Kevin LeBanc, who's had two glorious games. So, LeBanc has gotten me about five more points towards my matchup than Sanheim would have. So, Technically, it was still a good move, although maybe there was someone else on my roster I should have dropped. But uh, I, I count it as an overall win, right? I, I got a player who is better than Sanheim, and I dropped Sanheim. I guess. But yeah, you. I mean, you're obviously leaving out of the equation all the players on your team who did nothing. I'm trying could've... to see. Like, maybe Jacob Vrana was the guy to give up a game from. He's been... Very underwhelming this week for me when I was so excited. I think we mentioned him on the show last night and uh, committing to him for three games could be the reason I miss out on the tier one cup full championship bracket, which would be a huge disappointment given that I'm the defending champion. Uh, It all comes down to the next couple hours. So I have this pit in my stomach and I will try to be focused on the show. But my general playoff advice at this point is yeah don't get too attached for to your players like i am notoriously over attached to my players for the first few weeks or elon you might say months of the year but now at this point i'm ready to jettison a player if they're not performing or they're going to hurt the number of games i get in a week like this week for me has essentially been a playoff week in the cup full with high stakes so yeah i've dropped travis sanheim and also philip deneau two guys who i had streamed into my lineup and who'd stuck for much longer in my lineup than i anticipated when i first added them but their schedules uh, made them the odd man out. So uh, I, I had this urgent need to get into playoff position. They had to go, and I'll deal with whatever fallout there is next week for dropping them, and hopefully for me there isn't next week. Um, so what you need to do, if, if you're looking at your playoff week ahead, there are a few teams next week, and Elon, I know you're going to get into schedules, but I'm just going to drop some teams right off the top who have three or four-day gaps between games. So Columbus, Calgary, Florida, and L.A., all have a three-day gap between games this week. And Vegas doesn't even play a game until Friday. So those are the sorts of players, those are the teams, if you own players on those teams that you need to consider, "Ah, can can I afford to let these guys go? Ideally, you're not making moves like that to survive every week because it's going to catch up to you. For example, Travis Sandheim snatched up by the first place team in my division who's going to enjoy him whenever they're by weekend. So uh, enjoy him, Brendan. He'll serve you well, I'm sure. Um, Which is also another lesson. A a lot of people listening uh, got some good advice, hopefully on the show, and have found themselves in a comfortable position heading into the playoffs. But that's not your time to get complacent. You need to be watching the waiver wire like a hawk because there are going to be people like me who are just trying to make it to last another day who are dropping meaningful players who would not be available at any other time of the season. So you've got a chance to get some really juicy free agency ads. So don't 
stop paying attention. Don't use up all your moves or budget on like Monday or Tuesday. You've got to save some for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, when uh, the S really hits the fan for some uh, teams surviving and struggling for their playoff lives. And then you can be uh, the vulture that comes on in and, and picks up their entrails. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that, that got dark at the end there. Yeah. So, by the way, Brian, you're not the only one in a playoff matchup right now fighting to stay alive in tier one of the couple. We've got two competitors in tier one Sweden. So, Dave, what have you been doing to like get yourself into the playoffs? And what's your plan for like general playoff strategy again before we get to specific players? Oh, man. Like Brian's talking like he dropped like all these great players. <laughs> Sandheim, get out of here. I dropped two players this week in the top 100 of a couple or, uh, points rankings this year. Elon, can you guess them? I'll give you a hint. Yeah. They're on, they're on the Hurricanes and the Canadians. Oh, my gosh. So you dropped a Hurricane who's in the top 100. Is it a, and a, a Canadian? It, yeah. Okay. I'm going to guess like T- Tara Vinen? No. Can Wait. I guess? I'm in your tier, but I didn't notice. Justin Williams? Justin Williams? Yeah. No. He's so good. And yeah, that's a shame. You're going to miss him next week. What about the Canadian? Brian probably knows who he is. I saw. Who, Jeff Petrie? No, he's a forward. Oh, it's a forward. Okay, Brian, do you want to say? Jonathan Druin, who I traded to Dave uh, in, a, in, a, in a deal that included Mike Green, who I also had to drop this week because my <laughs> IR, we have four IR spots for anybody who's even day-to-day. They were full. I had to move my viral infection. It didn't matter. He's out for the season. What a bummer. And, of course, Dave picked up his replacement, Philip Hronik, who's now going to get, hopefully, he can beat out Nicholas Cronwall for some very important power play time. Well, he hasn't so far. And actually, Mike Green Green wasn't even on the top power play before he Hronik got a point yesterday. Thank you very much. But I I digress. Yeah, I'm I'm in it way even more than Brian. And Brian's even even in a much tougher spot than I am. I am tossing the kitchen sink just to get another another shot to get a chance at ultimate glory championship in tier one of the kickoffle the best of the best the brightest of the brightest uh, and so yeah you can't hold anything back i'm dropping every single person everything i can do even though i was projected up 20 points today i'm still dropping guys that might have a better shot next week just to get another point or two today so let us know if you're listening right now and you're like, who are these chumps? Sanheim, Drouin, garbage. Like there's some big names hitting free agency. And don't like tell us you're in a six team league and like, you know, Artemi Panarin is going on waivers. Like, you know, it has to be a league with some decent depth. Share with us at Keeping Carlson. Tell us who you've dropped, who's been dropped in your league. We would, we would love to know who, who the biggest names that are becoming available are. But but not if it's Panarin. I, I would want to hear that actually. No, <laughs> okay. I want to hear if it's Panarin, but I don't want to hear if it's Panarin in like a like some people will say in my six team or eight team like five man roster okay. setup. I'll read that tweet. Brian won't read that tweet, but I'll read that tweet. Okay, we got to get into it, guys. So first of all, Dave makes a lot of sense because keep in mind in a lot of leagues like in the couple, and don't worry, we're not going to be talking about the couple the whole time. I promise. But like this is a relegation and promotion system where you have to make the playoffs to guarantee yourself to even stay in tier one for next year. So that's why Dave, maybe even if he might hurt his chances at the championship, at least he knows by getting to the playoffs he'll stick in tier one. Brian, we'll see if he makes it. All right, so let's look at some of these schedules and talk about some players that we may want to add 
or drop, and we'll talk about injuries and outries, all, all that stuff. It, typical Keeping Carlson Fair coming your way. Uh, one thing with the schedule that you have to keep in mind is not just the total number of games, but obviously off days. Like, if a player is playing on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, definitely take a look at your lineups on each of those days and see, like, if you already are full on Thursday and Saturday, then really the player that you're thinking of adding is only going to get you two games. So, obviously, and also, it's useful, by the way, I'd recommend to anyone going to their playoffs right now, pause the podcast, go and look at your lineups on each day of next week maybe even the following week and see who you have sitting on your bench in those days because those are players that you might want to drop because they're not going to help you from your bench you could drop those guys for someone playing on off days and the team with the most off days over the next couple of weeks is the vancouver canucks they play wednesday friday sunday next week and then monday wednesday saturday sunday the following week so you could get three games from a canucks stream in both of the next two weeks unfortunately it's really hard to come up with someone to recommend adding it's like almost seems like a waste of such a beautiful schedule like generally we'd be saying to grab the player playing with Besser and Peterson but you know what we've been saying that all year it's never worked out so at this point I'm kind of over it it's kind of like Brian remember my take on the patron cast earlier this week about like I'm over recommending Clefbaum even if he's on the top power like there's some things there's like it's ideas that we've been saying for so long that it feels ingrained but right now no like yesterday it was Josh Levo playing on the Besser Peterson line and on the top power play uh, for the yesterday 6-2 loss to Vegas. Didn't help. He had no points, two shots. He did have six shots versus Edmonton on Thursday, but no points there. Is Levo someone on your radar since he's in that good spot and has this great schedule? Or is it just the kind of thing where there's no Canucks worth adding or owning, I guess, aside from Besser Peterson, I guess, Horvat and Alex Edler? I feel like it's more the latter. I want to be interested in Levo because this is the time obviously that he'll go off when we are being too cautious and we were really interested in him back when he had his first round with these guys or at least uh, he, he had one of them by his side when we were when we named an episode after him but he really hasn't done much at all the whole year not just with that little run uh he has just three points in his last 13 games he had a nice little run in late January early February but on the whole Blech. Uh, in his last 13 games, one thing he has done is take shots at an okay clip, averaging about two and a half shots per game, 32 shots in that stretch. But honestly, I'm just not feeling him or anybody playing with Pedersen and Besser because nobody seems to be reliably cashing in on that spot. I thought Goldobin had the best chance of doing it, and coach didn't really give him so much opportunity there. So, uh, yeah, I'm not into Josh Levo unfortunately. But uh, if if you want to go for a D-pad, you could do much worse, especially if it's Josh Levo for three games because of the off days or Travis Sanheim for one. I'd probably still go for Levo. All right, Dave, any thoughts on these Canucks? Like, we should also also point out before I throw to you, like, Peterson, Horvat, Edler, they've all suffered scoring droughts over the past couple of weeks. So it's not as if it's a guarantee that even those guys will be great. But obviously you hold them even if they're struggling a little bit because of this great schedule. But Dave, so like, what do you think about these Canucks? First off, I'd say it's a bad idea to look beyond the next week, especially in regards to the playoffs. Like, yeah, they might have a good off week again the week of uh, March 18th, but that doesn't matter if you don't get there. So I would say let's just worry about this first week first. In regards to the Canucks, I don't think there's really anyone worth picking up there, especially in teams that are kind of like not really looking towards the playoffs. You never know how bad they're going to be down the stretch, really, especially when they're playing against good teams. I'd much rather pick someone else who's maybe on like a second and third line on a contending team, kind of like someone like a McCann who's got like three points in four games this week. Thank you very much. Uh, And so I would definitely say, uh, 
Yeah, I'd, I'd avoid the Canucks unless you're. Yeah, if if you could pick up Alex Ed, I know Alex Edler might not be owned in shallow leagues, but oh my goodness, he is doing the Lord's work, people. He's out here getting his blocks. He's out there getting the perifs. Pick him up if he's at all available in those shallow leagues. But other than that, yeah, I'd avoid any Canucks. Yeah, that makes sense. And also keep in mind, if you like add Josh Levo tomorrow, there's no guarantee he's actually going to get you three games on that top line. Things can get shaken up so quickly. Also, I'm loving the stream scheme lingo of the Lord's work. Great to have you here, Dave. Uh, I'm going to chime in here also. And just to hammer home the point about nobody really succeeding alongside Elias Pettersson, the per- the player who has the most assists on Pettersson goals is Nikolai Goldobin with eight uh, at all strengths. Then it's Besser with seven. Then it's Troy Stetcher and Alex Edler with five and four each. And then you look at players who, uh, who Pettersson's assisting like on their goals, Besser 13 times, Horvat five times. And then you've got Levo three times. So, not a whole lot of meaningful production from anybody playing with Pedersen outside of, well, Besser and then Horvat and the defenseman and then Goldobin to some extent. But again, he's not getting those opportunities consistently. One thing to keep in mind if you are like sour on Vancouver as a whole, and like I get it, like you look at Pedersen, he was pointless in six of seven games prior to netting assists in each of his last two outings. And by the way, even with that slump, Peterson's still on exactly a point per game pace. What a year he's having. Um, but Vancouver as a team has struggled. And I, I don't think we can overlook that when we're wondering what the value is of Canucks. And when I say they've struggled, I don't actually mean they've struggled. It doesn't look like they have. They struggled on the scoreboard. But outside of that, I'm not so sure. They have just 19 goals in their last 10 games, the Canucks. Uh, but they're shooting just 6% at all strengths, two out of 30 on the power play. Uh, so I'm not getting too discouraged about these Canucks like I'm not uh, fretting if I'm a Besser or Pedersen or even Horvat owner because there hasn't been a dip in expected goals for for the Canucks or anything so I think it's just a matter of time before they snap out of it both at even strength and on the power play and get that offense up and running again which is reason to have a little more patience if you're getting close to cutting bait on any of these guys or if someone already did during, uh, like, say, Pedersen's recent cold stretch, it's safe to pick him up now. Also, one theory that I just saw shared in the chat by uh, somebody. Oh, it was Kay Towney, uh, Kevin Hayes superfan in the house, who always joins us live at keepingcarlson.com slash live. He said Pedersen's tired. And there is, like, we have to give some uh, possibility or some thought to that possibility uh, with rookies. We often, uh, when we're talking prospects or whatever, we talk about the wall that guys might hit around 50, 60 games. It's a more physical season than ever, a more intense season than ever uh, that they've ever played. And you also wonder if a guy like Pedersen is a little more prone to it because of his size. He might get pushed around a little bit more. Like this is a little pie in the sky type stuff, but it is something to consider that rookies do sort of slow down towards the end of a season. Just real quick, um, before we get too heavy into like schedules and who's got the best kind of like streaming schedule this week, do you know how many teams play four times next week? A whole bunch. There's a lot. 15. 15 teams play four times next week. And and there's also not really any slow days outside of Wednesday. On Wednesday, there's only three games, but every other day there's at least six games. Monday, there's seven. So when I know you had me on because I'm a stream scheme guy, but really it's not a great week for streaming, but that's a good thing and a bad thing. And so it's a good thing in that there's going to be a lot of available options. It's a bad thing that you kind of can't 
pick out those diamonds in the rough that has that, you know, like that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday schedule or something like that. But you really got to be careful in regards when looking, because like someone on Vancouver, you might not want to pick up someone like Josh Leva over someone like, like Tom Wilson or something like that, even though he plays like one less game on a little bit less better of a schedule. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I think it's just next week, Thursday, Saturday are the games. And if you can get players who play three or four games, not on those two days, you'll have a better chance of getting them in your lineup. But okay, I think we've had a lot of time on Canucks talk. So let's definitely not talk about them anymore, especially for a team that's not even fantasy relevant. I'm not sure why I brought them up as the first team for the show. Uh, I want to go to Vegas now. Brian brought them up as a team that only plays until Friday, but they do play Friday, Sunday. So it's a pretty good schedule. Uh, one of these Vegas guys actually might end up being more valuable than one of like a Nashville, Washington, Winnipeg player going Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. That said, uh, it would be tempting to drop a Vegas guy. You know, like Brian, you kind of gave this advice. Like maybe you could drop the player, maybe hope to even get him back later in the week. But the question is like, who would you even drop a Vegas guy for? Like, I mean, or which Vegas player would you drop? I mean, to say like the top six has been so hot lately. Like that Mark Stone acquisition is looking golden. Now they've signed him to eight years. Like anyone on Twitter who's making fun of that sign or think it's too much money. Like Mark Stone is clearly like a superstar and you're wrong. Uh, on defense, you got Shea Theodore, Nate Schmidt scored another goal yesterday. Theodore's been great. Even Colin Miller. Like, I guess he's the guy if you streamed him in for and you got his two assists yesterday. Like, congratulations. But I, I think you could definitely let him go and then you could always try to get him back later in the week. But I'm aside from him, I don't even know who you drop. Like Alex Tuck obviously dropped but we already said that before and brian uh i'll now transition because i don't even really have a question about vegas i wanted to ask you though about craig smith on nashville that's one of those teams that just plays tuesday thursday saturday you messaged me saying that oh i knew that craig smith was going to do well after he scored that goal if only i could have added him but i didn't because i'd already used up all my ads blah 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 but yeah craig smith is a guy we mentioned on the last episode he's uh the beneficiary of nashville picking up mikhail granlin in the trade and now that second line of tourist granlin and craig smith obviously a uh, forsberg was away yesterday but i assume that forsberg will be back and it's a good spot for smith he's got goals in two straights six shots yesterday are we at the start of a classic craig smith run uh, before he goes cold again eventually like we've seen it happen a couple times per year every year maybe this one is coming right on schedule where through the fantasy playoffs craig smith is going to be an mvp craig smith is always a good stream it's always almost always a good idea to put him in your lineup if you're looking for an ad and he'll get you an extra game. And one reason why I think he's a better stream than ever is not because he's still playing on the top power play unit in Nashville with Brian Boyle, who somehow is still there. Maybe when Forsberg's back, we'll get rid of this nonsense. But I guess they like him as like a big body up front. I don't know. It's still not optimal and it still bugs me, but I'll try and get past it um, for the purposes of talking about Craig Smith, who uh, is in a better position than ever. Uh, You look back at his line mates over the years. A few years ago, he's with Ribeiro and Forsberg. We're not talking like peak Ribeiro. We're talking 50 points Ribeiro. Uh, and Forsberg was still just breaking into the league. Uh, then he was with Ribeiro and Fisher. Then he was with Turris and Fiala. And then that continued into this year, uh, sometimes playing with Yarn Kroc as well and Benino. Like, he's always had some sort of uh, revolving door. Sometimes he gets up to the top line with Johansson and Forsberg or Arvidsson. Whoever, what, if one of them is injured, uh, Smith gets a turn there or Nashville wants to shake things up. And that's why I like him. But I also like him because he's going to be playing in all likelihood with Kyle Turris and Mikhail Granlund on what's going to be the strongest consistent line he'll have been a part of in Nashville, or I, I think in his career. So yeah. that's why it's a good idea to stream Craig Smith. He's always good for a couple, sh- or almost always good for a couple shots and has a, has a good chance of scoring a goal any given night. Yeah, Dave is shaking his head vehemently. How many minutes did he play? Uh, what was it, yesterday? 
I, I can't tell, Dave, when you're asking me rhetorical questions. That was rhetorical. I'm seeing 11 minutes and 33 seconds. Do you know who he played with? He was with Colton Sissons and Kali Yarncrock. We're assuming that once Forsberg is back, everything will come back to normal. Yeah. yeah. Try, Brian, that's and, a good point. And in that 11 and a half minutes, though, one goal and six shots. I think that the point is, though, uh, before you go and stream him in, because he doesn't even have a great schedule. I just brought him up because you wanted to bring him up here. Like, uh, make sure that he's actually playing on this good line. Though, I do want to mention Mikel Granlund. He did score a goal yesterday, which is very good. And it was on his line with Joe Hansen and Arvidsson Bryant. He said, Joe Hansen, we've been through this. It's Joe Hansen. I know. Okay. uh, But yeah, he scored a goal on this line. But of course, he was only on that line because Forsberg was injured. I assume it's only a second point in four games, which is a super small sample size. But we did talk about Mikael Granlin coming to Nashville. And maybe he won't be able to be as good as he was in Minnesota because he's no longer like the guy, like a second line guy. Doesn't generally get as many points as a first line guy. Uh, Of course, Mark Stone is doing it over in Vegas. But to me, like I'd prefer Mark Stone over Mikael Granlin right now for the rest of the season. So I don't know. Are you guys uh, still into Mikael Granlin? Or do you agree with me that or I don't know, that's like a separate, you could agree with both. But I, my take is Mark Stone greater than Mikel Graham the rest of the season and probably moving forward. It, it, sorry, who's saying he's not? Anybody? No, I'm just thinking of like, these are two players who went from being like the top guy on their team now to a team where they're like on the second line and maybe not the main focal point. And I'm trying to draw an analogy here and then making my take that I think Mark Stone is better. But yeah, we don't have to talk about Mark Stone. Mikel Granlin, I don't know, I feel a little nervous about him. Like, I'm I'm sure he'll be fine. And if you have him, there's nothing you could do. You're not going to drop Mikel Granlin. But I think you might not get that 70 point pace that you were comfortable uh, with getting when he was on Minnesota. It's frustrating what Mikhail Granlund has done so far as a member of the Predators. He has two points in four games, eh, nine shots, eh. Like, this is a guy, just just to clarify, in his last games with Minnesota, he had five, six, and seven shot games and was always going to get you two or three. He had no shots two games ago for Nashville. One thing, one difference we've seen from him, uh, and it's, is that he's taking fewer shots Per minute, like this is not just a minutes thing. He's actually averaging exactly the same amount of time uh, on ice per game at even strength compared to what he was seeing in Minnesota. And Grenland is doing less in that time. He's taking fewer shots, fewer shot attempts. He's on the ice for, well, he's actually losing. His line is losing more shot attempt battles than uh, really any other point in his career. And yes, it's still early. Like we never make a judgment based on a four game sample. And it's nice to know that he got a little bump to the top line in deployment with Forsberg out last game. So if that continues, I think he's golden. You should definitely want him. Even if it doesn't continue, I still think you should be interested. Maybe he's somebody you let hang in free agency until you see a bit more, uh, a bit more signs of life. But outside of that, uh, like I, I am like, I still believe in Michael Granlin. I think he's a very talented <laughs> player and can help your team. Michael Granlin, Brian, what? Granlin, Mikhail. Yeah. Uh, obviously if he's in free agency, grab him. I, I didn't like, there's no way he's in free agency. If he is. Yeah. I definitely agree with you. There's a lot of upside there. I'm, I'm definitely worried about him. Um, I literally just traded for him before he got traded in real life in a keeper league. I'm definitely more worried about him in a keeper league than I am for this year. For this year, you definitely need to hit the panic button. He's not even on that top power play. It looks like Nashville's kind of splitting up their power play a little bit with all their new additions and whatnot. And so if you were expecting him to be a 60-point player going forward and you're in a little bit more of a shallow league, like a 10-team or a 12-team league, I would definitely not hesitate to pull the trigger and cut him waiting for him to get that kind of production you were expecting him to get in Minnesota. Okay, I'm going to hedge 
Hold him at least. Give it. Give him Tuesday, Thursday, and then let's reassess. Tweet at us. It's the playoffs, man. You can't afford to do that. But I think he has more upside than the guy you're going to add. Give him Tuesday. Let's let's see Tuesday. Okay, I, I don't drop him yet. I, I think it would be a mistake. Okay, uh, let's go to a team on the opposite side, like a really bad schedule, or I guess another schedule like the Vegas one. Uh, LA, they only play Thursday, Saturday, probably the worst schedule of the week. Is it time to consider Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty, who are probably right now the only LA Kings even worth owning right now? Maybe Jonathan Quick, but even him I've seen dropped in a lot of leagues. Like Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty, they might need to be people you have to drop going into your week one playoff matchups. It's like Thursday, Saturday are also the busiest days. So you could drop these guys and like not lose any games potentially and then pick someone up who adds like four games and three games as your two pickups anyways uh kopitar especially like he's pointless in three he only has 48 points in 67 games on the season that's a 59 point pace which is good but andre kopitar had like 90 plus points last year so this has been a huge huge disappointment drew dowdy on the other hand at least he's hot he's got five assists in his last five games he still only has 38 points in 68 games it's a 46 point pace so both of these guys have kind of disappointed compared to what they did before uh, so how confident are you guys? Obviously, let's start with Brian. Uh, how confident are you that these guys will make the most of their two games next week and be <laughs> worth holding? Like they play Monday, Thursday, Saturday, the following week. So if you do hold on, you get a Monday game. And then again, you got to wait till Thursday. So these are going to be some tough holds. So you need to be confident that, that they're going to help you or it might be better to just cut bait now. The question you need to ask yourself is if, and actually I'm going to answer your question first. It, Drew Doughty is the only LA King that I would be concerned about losing. This is a team that is a mess. They're having trouble scoring goals. It's been happening all season. Elon, the one guy you didn't mention who you also might want to hang on to is Dustin Brown, who has four goals and assists for five points in his last eight games. Those four goals have come on 22 shots though. So he's had a bit of shooting luck there. The other likely names that you think of Jeff Carter, uh, two points in his last eight games, uh, Kovalchuk one in seven and uh, to Foley one in eight. And these are potentially very friendly frames that I'm using. I'm just looking at their last two weeks. So you might even be able to go back a little further and make it look uglier. So if you own essentially Drew Doughty and maybe Anze Kopitar, who's still a top line, top power play guy, even if he's not producing often, like he's still probably at the top of a streaming pile. Anyway, if you own one of these guys, you need to ask yourself, am I going to be able to re-add him when I need him like and can I afford uh, to have him on my roster for three days doing nothing um yeah like Doughty is a defenseman is a harder guy to let go of and you have to assume if your league has bye weeks somebody's gonna add him immediately or like say one day ahead of when he plays next but that's also a move you can do you can try and drop him look for someone who plays Monday Tuesday and then re-add him on Wednesday so you're just ahead of the rest of your competitors who think I only need to add him on Thursday when he plays next. That's one way to get around it. If you're extra scared about losing somebody like Drew Doughty, Dustin Brown, or Anze Kopitar. Do not worry about the week beyond this next week. I cannot reiterate that enough. I don't care if someone plays five times the week of March 18th. We are only looking at the week of March 11th forward (laughs) and we are dropping all of our Kings, baby. We're dropping Kopitar. We're dropping Dowdy. No Dowdy. We are dropping Dowdy. <laughs> We're dropping every single one. I'm even dropping Dustin Brown, probably even in the top tier of the Kakupful. Get rid of all of them. I don't care who they are. Get rid of them. Uh, Dave, uh, to add a little nuance, though, what if you have a good team? <laughs> like, <laughs> you might be able to make it through 
and have like if 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 LA plays five times next week, maybe you could wait a couple of days and see how it's going. Like it really depends what you're doing. You're talking about from a standpoint of like you're doing everything to survive. I think I have a pretty good team. I, I don't know. Okay, anyway, but unless I, you unless you got a buy like yourself, you know, you, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned that yet. Unless you have a buy, <laughs> you know what happens when you assume. Uh, that's fair. Hey, you know, it, it's a tricky game. That's what makes it a lot of fun. Brian, of course, kind of didn't want to answer my question about like what he actually expects to get from Ache Kopitar oh, next week. <laughs> I'll try. You can you can expect one point in two games, and if you're lucky, two points. So if you can add someone who you think gives you a better chance of that. Go for it. Nothing is guaranteed on this offensively woeful Kings team. Yeah, plus their games that they do play. Let's take a look. So it's Thursday, Saturday. You got Nashville Thursday and Florida Saturday. Uh, so Nashville's obviously a tough team to score against. So obviously UC Saros wasn't so hard to score against yesterday, I think, for Carolina. Uh, Florida, Sam Montembeau is all of a sudden a brick wall, though it was Detroit that they were playing today, who was a tired team. But yeah, like there's no guarantee that you're getting points from Ajay Kopitar, who, like I said, has been cold. So I'd be okay with dropping him in a one-year league. You can always tweet at us. I'm going to stop saying that, but feel free to ask us. We're here to help you this week. We want to help you all make it to your championship. So you throw us any tweet. I'm going to just like, I got a lot of stuff to do at work actually next week, but I'm still going to take time to answer all your tweets. Okay, uh, Brian, before we move forward, I want to take a second to thank our sponsor for this week's episode, which are our friends over at SeatGeek, because As you know, now is the time where you want to get to some of these NHL games. The playoff races are hot and exciting. And if your team is in the race, it's basically you could go to a playoff game right now without having to pay playoff game prices. And if you want to find the seats to go to these games, it might be sold out. But that doesn't matter because you're going to find a seat over on Seeky. Generally, getting tickets online is complicated. It's a hundred of sites, varying levels of reliability, hard to know who to trust, but you can trust SeatGeek. They pull millions of tickets into one place. You can easily find seats you want for a price you're willing to pay, and I would definitely check it out. In fact, it's really fun. If you don't have an NHL game to go to, you can just pull up the app, see what else is going on in your city. I always have a lot of fun. Dave here, you're broadcasting from Pittsburgh, so I brought up the stuff going on in Pittsburgh. And I'm going to play a little game with you here. Try to guess which is the more expensive ticket if you want to go do something in Pittsburgh next week. You could either go see the Blues playing the Penguins on March 16th, or you can go watch Professional Bull Riding PBR also on March 16th. If you want to do one of these activities, which do you think will be more expensive for you? To go see the Pens game or to go watch some PBR? Uh, The Pens game. Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, I, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to be a trick question. The 89 bucks still pretty cheap to go see a big uh, playoff implications Penguins game. Or it's not so cheap, though. $40 to go see professional bull riding. Have you ever gone to see any professional bull riding over in Pittsburgh? I have not. I When I was down south, I, I was going to, but then it closed down. So unfortunately not. <laughs> Well, he's, Dave, if you wanted to, this would be a really great time because uh, you're a listener of Keeping Carlson and, and, and an occasional host. And that means you get $10 off your very first SeatGeek purchase like all our listeners. All you need to do is download the app, enter the promo code KEEPING before you make your very first purchase with SeatGeek. And you'll get a sweet 10 buckaroos bucking. Uh, this isn't going to work. $10 <laughs> off of your very first SeatGeek purchase. Again, promo code KEEPING. Try it again. Try today. Seat Geek. Life's an event, just like professional bull racing is, and they have the tickets. I get us the sense from Patty in the chat room that she doesn't think that professional bull riding is a smart bull way to riding, spend your money. Bull racing. <laughs> oh, maybe it'd be more funny to watch. Wait, which one is it? Bull riding or bull racing? I already closed the element, There would be an element of unpredictability in bull racing that would make it really compelling for me. So long as the bulls are treated humanely, of course, which you 
So what are you watching then? If it's professional bull riding, you're just watching people ride on them? Like watching people riding horses? Except I guess they have to stay on, right? And not fall off. That's the deal. Yeah. And they wear funny hats and they're clowns. Should we start a PBR podcast? (laughs) If if one doesn't exist, then over the summer, let's look into. uh, Should we we start a fantasy professional bull riding league and then a podcast about it, I think is the better question. And we'll get sponsorship from PBR, the beer, perhaps Blue Ribbon. It's going to be, I think there's a lot of money in this. We just got to think this through. But okay, let's get back to the NHL. Let's go to some, some teams that have good schedules next week, just like the Canucks. I've got some teams for you now that play three times next week by Friday, not counting Thursday. So basically what I'm saying is if you add a player for one of these teams, you're guaranteed pretty much to get three games out of them before the weekend. And then you could drop them for other people on the weekend. You could drop them for someone playing twice on the weekend, potentially get five games in your week. So here are the teams that I want to go through. Columbus, New Jersey, the Rangers, and Toronto all have these sweet, sweet schedules. So let's see and trawl for some value on these teams. So Toronto goes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday against Tampa, Chicago, Philly, and Ottawa. And they just got Nazem Kadri back in the fold yesterday as he returned from his concussion in the win over the Oilers. Kadri took his line three spot predictably back with uh, William Nylander and Patrick Marlowe. And he bumped Andreas Janssen from the top power play. And he had a decent return, a power play assist. One shot, which actually isn't that great, but almost makes me think that he wasn't at full capacity because generally you could expect more shots from Kadri. He also got two hits. Seems like he's fine. Overall, Kadri has suffered the reduced production that we expected going into the season, being bumped to the bottom six. He only has 36 points in 60 games for a 49-point pace. I assume that's what we should expect moving forward for the rest of the season. And even if that's the case, though, three games next week by Friday is probably still worth it, right? Nazem Kadri is actually still a very reliable, even strength point score. And I know that's not going to make a whole lot of difference to people who needed that power play reduction. But for what it's worth, he's producing at exactly the same points per 60 rate as he did last year in what was a pretty successful uh, 55 point campaign for him. The difference between this campaign and last year, though, and the reason he's down about six points in his overall projection is because, well, one, he's playing about a minute less uh, each night at even strength. And two, uh, that power play time is not nearly as valuable to him as it once was. Uh, he's got actually more power play time for game uh, this year, but he's not doing as well with it. His IPP on the power play has gone down. His shooting percentage on the power play at just 10% this year compared to uh, somehow he had a couple years in a row where it was 25-30% where he was really uh, a sniper on the power play. And that just has not happened for him this season. Uh, he's not going to meet last year's 19 power play points total unless he really tears it up towards the end. Uh, So that's where he's losing his production. It's on the power play. And it's a shame because he still had uh, decent opportunities, right? Like he did not get shoved off uh, when the lease decided to have one stronger power play this year, as opposed to two relatively equal ones last year, he didn't get shoved off the top one. He got to be a part of it. Unfortunately, the bounces just have not gone his way to the same extent they did last year which is why, again, he's down a few points, but he's still getting that deployment, which means every night he's a threat to get a point and playing three games not on Thursday before Friday. Is that what you said, Elon? Including including Friday. Including Friday. um, Then it's a no-brainer. You need to add Nazem Kadri. 
Yeah, I will throw it out there that what you're saying is actually making me more into him because if you're saying that actually he's doing as well as last year at even strength and just not doing as well on the power play, he's got that power play deployment. So maybe this is the week where it finally comes together. And I'll throw a question now to you, Dave. Uh, there's a couple of players on Toronto who have really started struggling, except I feel like with this good schedule, you kind of have to hold on, though you're always uh, going the other way. So I'm curious to know what you think. Like Andreas Janssen, I guess we kind of blew it with him, Brian, because we were... Uh, talking about him as like a must add on the Austin Matthews line and on the top power play. Now he's been bumped from the top power play and he had like no points and no shots yesterday. He was also pointless in the previous four games, even with that amazing deployment before getting bumped. He did have a four game point streak before that, but that feels like a long time ago for Andreas Janssen owners. Both he and Kasperi Kapanen are playing with Matthews, but not doing much of anything lately. I would generally for normal schedule, non-playoffs be asking you if it's time to drop Kapanen and Janssen, but I guess do we need to hold them just because of the great schedule next week? What would you do, Dave? Well, I mean, I don't think Janssen's been very good at all. I think, yeah, Toronto has a very nice schedule next week. Uh, They're playing uh, the Lightning, who haven't been great in goal. Chicago, who have had a historically terrible time keeping the under in games Uh, i think they were something incredible like they were 22 and 2 if you bet the over in their games in their last 24 games something like that and then they play philly and then if you actually needed them then on saturday as well they play ottawa so a tremendous schedule next week um in a shallow league though i think you could do better than him um Kadri, though, I think you, I even in like a 14 and a 16 team league, I think he's a very nice play next week. Um, Toronto, they're going to be gunning for the playoffs. I think I like all those guys, but Janssen, Kapanen, not the greatest. I think he could do better than that in a 10 or 12 team league. Yeah, I guess it's it's tricky, right? Because you got that Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Really hard to recommend dropping a guy for someone who's only playing Tuesday. At least get that Monday game and then go from there. So Janssen, Brian, he's on our joint team. I'm no, I know you're we- well aware of that. So oh, yeah. He's- He's going to get a save execution on our team at least through Monday. But if he doesn't do something, I might drop him for someone on Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, because like we do actually have an open spot on Tuesday. It's not as busy a day as Tuesdays usually are. Uh, the Rangers, I said, also have a good schedule Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday next week. Looks like another one that I blew or Brian, I don't know if you could join me in taking credit for this. But like we were telling people, Jimmy VC, go grab him. He's on the top line with Zibanejad. He had like three games in a row of a goal and an assist. Everything was looking fantastic. And then I added him in one league where now I'm eliminated and VC, I could maybe blame him. Uh, He did nothing ever since uh, I added him and ever since we talked about him on the show. uh, He even has since then been bumped from the top line and top power play. So he's completely useless now. You got him, let him go. Uh, That's not even a question. Obviously, Jimmy VC, bye-bye from all of your fantasy teams and sorry to everyone who grabbed him. Uh, There are other potential options that you might want to grab. Like uh, Chris Kreider was actually bumped to the bottom six to start yesterday's game. But in the third period, the first line went back to Zibanejad with Chris Kreider and... Vladislav Nemesnikov. So maybe he's the new guy we need to talk about on the Rangers because he's also on the top power play. And Nemesnikov had a pretty good game. He had one goal and two assists yesterday versus New Jersey. He had four points in nine games before that, which isn't even so bad for a guy that wasn't even on anybody's radar. Of course, he is Vladislav Nemesnikov, who hasn't been useful for a while, and there's no guarantee that he sticks on that top line, top power play spot. But I got to ask, is he someone on your radar? You know, maybe compare him to someone like Andreas Janssen, who's also on a good line. I guess another Ranger to consider, so we could do it all in one bunch. Pavel Buchnevich has been playing on the top power play, though on even strength playing with Brett Howden and Brandon Lemieux. He had no points yesterday, but he did have two goals on Thursday versus Detroit. So what do you guys think between Nemesnikov and Buchnevich if you want to stream a Ranger for next week? Are either of them intriguing to you? Brian, why don't you go first? 
I would be very interested in Vladislav Nemesnikov. Elon, you sliced his production in kind of a weird way. Uh, I'm just going to present it in another way. So he had three points in his last game, had no points in the three games before that. But in the eight games before that, he had eight points, five goals, three assists, uh, 18 shots. Uh, and of course, five goals on 18 shots is not sustainable. But producing alongside Mika Zibanejad generally is. And that just takes me back to Jimmy VC for a moment because um, while Jimmy VC wasn't scoring on the top line, you know who else didn't score? Mika Zibanejad. And we essentially said in our advice that VC's uh, big advantage playing on that top line was he gets to play with Mika Zibanejad, who can dish out points to his line mates. Unfortunately, uh, Zibanejad wasn't feeling so generous. Uh, part of that might have been the 15 penalty minutes he took uh, at Dallas. He only played 16 minutes that night, which is uh, way off from the usual 22, 23 minutes that he's been playing recently. So that definitely uh, did not help him or his line mates get points. But yes, for the moment, uh, our advice stays the same as it was last week, which is grab the guy playing with Mika Zibanejad, which right now is Vladislav Nemesnikov. Of course, my opponent in the Kukupful has him this week. So I'm well aware of how uh, destructive he can be if he's on your roster while playing with Zibanejad. If I had the choice, I would say neither. Uh, but if you're asking me to choose, I would choose Buchnevich. He's near and dear to my heart as a streamer. He always shows up when you really need him. Plus that name. Go ahead, Brian. Well, Buchnevich, I just don't know what there is to like about him. Well, like, he's, we've tried to like him all year long, and I know he's had a nice little run. Nine shots in his last two games is fantastic. We don't usually see him with that much opportunity, but he still struggles to see more than middle six minutes. He's playing with Brendan Lemieux and Quinton Howden, which is not a great place to be. I would actually, Elon, tell me if I'm way out of line here. Dave, you can too. Um, Philip Hedl is playing... Uh, or got some time on the top line the other night with Zibanejad and Nemesnikov. And I think if the lines stay that way, if Nemesnikov, Hedl, and Zibanejad play together, I don't know what that means for Kreider, but let's just... Let's just no, pretend. it won't, right? Kreider got back on the top line. I get what you're saying, Brian. Uh, it's Brett Howden, by the way, not Quinton Howden. I don't know what names you're throwing at us this week. <laughs> is that a player, Quinton Howden? There definitely is a Quinton Howden. He, okay. uh, he last played in 2016-17, 97 huh. career games. Interesting. And was, no, I get what Dave is saying. I think, Brian, you're like, I think it's closer to 50-50 than you're making it out to be. I think I would go to Mesnikov, but Buchnevich is on that top power play. And there's always a chance in these three games, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Buchnevich gets another shot on that top line like why not as if Vladislav Nemesnikov has been able to prove that he can hold that spot so I'm gonna give Dave his prediction and we'll see what happens let's chat about it on the Facebook group at the end of the week and see who did better between Nemesnikov and Vucinevich I wouldn't be surprised if it's within a couple points one way or the other hopefully it's just worthwhile for someone to grab one of these guys and get something Let's go to the next team with a good schedule. Like I was saying, Columbus picked up a big win over the Penguins yesterday. They're currently tied for the Habs for the final wildcard spot, but with the game in hand, and they have more wins, so they'd have the tiebreaker. So, I mean, for Columbus fans and fans of people who like seeing teams going for it and making fun trades to try to win, we should all be cheering, I think, for Columbus to make the playoffs. Of course, on the other hand, my friend Michael, uh, my coworker, would be very sad if the Habs don't make the playoffs, so maybe he would rather I say that we should cheer for the Habs either way. Columbus plays Monday, Tuesday, next week, and then Friday, Saturday. And a lot of people are asking us, what should they do with Pierre-Luc Dubois? He's just totally disappeared since the trade deadline. He's pointless in his last five games. The good news for him is he was back on the Panarin-Atkinson line yesterday, still off power play one, unfortunately. And he has this great schedule for next week. So I feel like like a lot of these guys I've mentioned that sort of are doing not well lately, but have a good schedule. Like, How can we recommend 
dropping Pierre-Luc Dubois, especially if he's going to be back on the line with Panarin. But Brian, like in general, like what is going on with this guy? Like he was a 70 plus point guy for the first three quarters before completely disappearing after the trade deadline. Like I said, is it all because of deployment or maybe can we just excuse it to some bad luck? Like as Pierre-Luc Dubois been having some unlucky variants that you expect to turn around very soon. Up until this point, no, nothing had been unlucky. Everything looks uh, pretty much just the way it should. And uh, I think it really is an entirely deployment-related issue. You look at uh, who he was playing with and how often he was playing, like averaging almost 19 minutes per game over his first 57 games, where he had 51 points in those, averaging a couple shots a night. That was great. Maybe his shooting percentage was a little high, but like nothing to get so upset about. But uh, he has seen over a four minute drop in ice time over his last 11, which is really concerning. So that's one reason he has only three points in that stretch. His shooting percentage has also been cut in half in that time, 7% shooter instead of 17%, uh, which again, might've been a little high, but 7% is a huge, huge uh, chunk cut off of that. And also he's not doing himself any favors by well, I mean, part of it is a nice time issue, but he only has 14 shots over his last 11 games. So we were used to seeing uh, a couple per game. Now we're, we can barely expect one per game on average. In fact, in his last three games, he has just a single shot on goal, driving his owners crazy. Uh, I don't know if he's driving his owners crazy or if it's John Tortorella driving Dubois' owners crazy and Bobrovsky's everybody. John Tortorella uh, drives everybody crazy. Mm-hmm. If you have Dubois, though, this news that he is going to be back on the top line is reason enough to to hold him on your roster. I feel like he's a guy who might have been dropped by some desperate teams already. If you want to take, uh, it, there's minimal risk involved. I think there probably aren't a whole lot of better streaming options than a top line Pierre Dubois. Yeah, Pierre Luc Dubois. Of course, you can call him Pierre Dubois. Maybe his friends call him that. Uh, you know. So actually, okay, Town is reminding us like he actually has been on the top line for a week now. The big change, like when you're talking about his decrease in ice time, I'd imagine a lot of it has to do with just the power play. He's off the top power play, and I feel like you can't really blame John Tortorella. Like Matt Duchesne took his spot. What was he supposed to do? Not give it to Matt Duchesne? I guess you could say they sh- he should have bumped Nick Foligno, but I'd imagine Nick Foligno plays a role on that top power play that Pierre Dubois isn't suited to play. So maybe it's just a matter of he's not having that power play time, and that's going to lead to him getting less shots and less ice time. But yeah, hard not to at least give him a try for Monday, Tuesday. But it sounds like you're saying you're concerned because without this great deployment, uh, you know, getting all the ice time he used to have on the power play, maybe that's making a difference. Another guy who may be worth considering is Josh Anderson. I added him as a stream for my semis next week with that Monday, Tuesday game. Pierre-Luc Dubois wasn't available. He liked Dubois. He's been cold lately, but he's taking a bunch of shots, actually more shots than Dubois by quite a bit. And he's laying the hits. So if your hits count, he's got 14 in his last two games. I feel like Josh Anderson is going to score a goal Monday or Tuesday. You've heard it here first. So what do you guys think? Anderson versus Dubois. If both are available and you could grab one of them for Monday, Tuesday, and potentially longer, if he does well, which one would you go? Let's say in a bangers league, you're getting credit for those hits. Brian, you seems like you want to go first. Well, I'm going to actually let Dave answer first, but I I do just want to circle back to Dubois and what you said about his power play time. He's lost more than just his power play time. It's been his even strength time. And I guess I'm hope I'm I'm optimistic. Last game he played 16 and a half minutes, which was the most he played for about five games. So I'm hoping those minutes are coming back back when he was playing 18 to 19 minutes per game. Um, th- that's what I want. I, I don't just want him with those top line line mates in Atkinson and Panarin. I want him seeing the usual minutes with them. And I don't even think him losing power play time is a, is such a great excuse 
for his lack of point production. He has just nine power play points this year. So he's been doing just fine, even uh, without power play scoring that he should be getting uh, from being on that top unit as much as he was. Again, he had 51 points in his first 57 games with limited power play production. So I just really want those minutes to come back. And I'm optimistic about the last game, seeing that upswing Uh, between him and Josh Anderson. Dave, what do you think? It's definitely a Pierre-Luc Dubois, unless you need someone who's going to give you a week-long sustainability in a bangers league, then you would go Anderson. Uh, But in any other scenario, you're going to go Dubois, uh, especially for at least that Monday and Tuesday, then you can pick up someone else later. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I'll say that if it, if you want hits and shots, Anderson's the guy. If you want points, go Dubois. Again, Dubois been, has been super unreliable for shots on goal. But uh, you combine Josh Anderson's shots and hits, 14 against Pittsburgh, 11 against Pittsburgh the game before, 6 the game before against New Jersey. So this is a guy who knows how to throw his body and throw pucks on net. And you know what uh, Wayne Gretzky says? If you, throw- <laughs> you miss 100% of the hits you don't throw. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the corollary of the Gretzky saying is that if you take shots, you're going to score goals. Am I right? And so I'm going to say that I would want Josh Anderson over Pierre Dubois, even for just points. I think that he's going to score a goal in the next couple games. And and also their last two games have been against Pittsburgh. And Torts loves to throw out that third line with Anderson against Pittsburgh. He's a big proponent of, hey, let's hit him. You know, let's make this a knockdown, grind out kind of game against them kind of thing. Because he still thinks they're all 25 years old for some reason. So uh, that might Anything that you might have seen in the last two games might have been a bit of an anomaly, so don't expect that this week. And especially, uh, they play four games this week against four playoff-level teams, so just keep that in mind as well. Yeah, that's a good point, though. The New York Islanders have really been struggling lately, so that Monday game against the Islanders, we'll see. Thomas Grice, we're going to talk about him soon, how we think he's going to hold up now that Robin Leonard is injured. But I, I want to stick with the order that I have, because I do want to bring up this last team that has a good schedule next week. Three games by Friday, not including Thursday. That's the New Jersey Devils, which are kind of like a Vancouver Canucks here, a team that just you don't see anyone maybe worth... Or like The Canucks actually have some guys you want worth owning. Like As far as streamers, I've got one name I'm going to throw at you guys. But yeah, the, the Devils play Calgary Tuesday, Edmonton Wednesday, Vancouver, Friday, then Colorado Sunday as well. So it's a great schedule. Last week we talked about Jesper Brad, but he's out with a lower body injury. The latest Roto World update indicates he may not be back for the season. So yet another injury for the New Jersey Devils. On the plus side, they got Kyle Palmieri back from his lower body injury for his game Friday versus Washington. And then also on Saturday, he was pointless in both of those games, but he has had three shots in each of his games since he's returned. So that's good. He's on the top line, which is great for, I guess, minutes, but not great because his linemates have been Travis Zajac and Kenny Agostino. Still is Kyle Palmieri, one of these guys. He may have been dropped in a lot of leagues, especially since he was injured and also since, you know, he hasn't been producing much lately. I feel like he might be worth a stream. Can we use the old adage, someone's got to score on New Jersey, right? And if someone's going to score, I feel like Kyle Palmieri is very likely going to be a part of it. Like either Palmieri or I guess Coleman are the two people who will likely get in on those goals. I'll be very surprised to see a goal that doesn't involve one of those guys. Uh, Like Kyle Palmieri is the only guy on the team actually that's ever scored 20 goals in a season. And actually I wrote that, but then I fact checked myself. It's not true. Zajac had 25 goals, but that was 10 years ago. Actually, Travis Zajac had 25 goals and 42 assists for 67 points. 2009-10. I forgot that Travis Zajac used to be a really valuable guy in the NHL. It hasn't been like that for a while, or at least in fantasy. But Brian, Kyle Palmieri, are you with me? Stream him in for the good schedule next week. He's got to do something. 
Well, you say someone's got a score for the Devils, but that really hasn't been true over their last eight games, just 11 goals. So yes, somebody has to score, but uh, twice it's been out of those 11 times. It's been Damon Severson. Twice it's been Kevin Rooney. Once it's been Kenny Agostino. Once it's been Curtis Gabriel. One has been Nathan Bastian. Who are these guys? Who are the New Jersey Devils? So trying to pick the guy who's actually going to score the goal is difficult. And we know Kyle Palmieri uh, is not the straw that stirs the drink uh, on his own. I think he needs somebody to work with. We saw that in Anaheim. And now we're forced to see it in New Jersey with Heeshear and Hall uh, not in the lineup. Uh, remember, Palmieri uh, is now in a six-game stretch where he has just one point and is getting plenty of ice time but just cannot do much with it. And it shows, like you look at his shot rates uh, with uh, playing without both Hall. Let me just start. Kyle Palmieri without Taylor Hall, uh, not as good as with Taylor Hall. Uh, Kyle Palmieri then without Taylor Hall and Nico Hishier is just not looking like a great player. Um, Just getting, uh, mopping up the floor, being the mop of the floor. Oh my God. Is he the mop or is he doing the mopping? No, he's being, he is the mop. Like okay. the other team is wiping the floor with him is yeah. what I'm trying to say in shot attempts. Life Kyle is mop. like a mop. <laughs> How so? It's a UHF reference. Sorry. <sighs> Why don't I get those? You I just get- rewatched the movie. <laughs> Sometimes life is like Stanley Spadowski. All right. So Dave, yeah. what do you think? Are you with Brian here? Uh, Kyle Palmieri, not worth it, even with the good schedule. And even though he's apparently like, looks like he's the best player on the team. Yeah, n- n- don't pick up any doubles this week. I would completely advise against that. Um, it's kind of like I think the Rangers last year, although the Rangers aren't too much better this year. I don't think they had a player who had like 50 points last year. And so someone doesn't always need to score. <laughs> I would avoid the Devils. They look terrible. They should be tanking uh, as they should. And, uh, yeah, I would go against them if they're playing the Devils. But other than that, I will just avoid them. Okay, yeah. Maybe you want to start the goalies playing the Devils next week in your daily fantasy. Or, or, you know, if you could grab a stream, maybe teams will choose to play their backup goalies against New Jersey and let the starter rest. So that might be good spot starts throughout the week to keep your eye on. Uh, Okay, let's now go to... Uh, some toothbrushes you know sometimes you have to if there's a really big stain on the floor you grab that toothbrush and you really got to eke it out and sometimes you got to deal with that on your fantasy teams when you have suspensions because those are the worst things to deal with uh just like those hard stains because in a lot of formats you can't even throw your suspended guys into ir you just have to decide whether to hold this guy and waste a roster spot or drop him but how can you drop jacob Boracek or jack eichel who both have been handed two game suspensions today brutal for the fantasy Uh, going into your fantasy playoffs jacob voracek let's start with him 11 points in his last five games he's been holding the mop okay i'm gonna stop with this analogy because (laughs) i don't really know how to use it but he's been so so good what a loss to everyone who's probably salivating over new jersey's nice schedule next week i believe i've like memorized all these schedules from looking at it so much i think it's monday thursday friday sunday for new jersey that would have been amazing to get all those games from voracek now you're only going to get two of them Philly, uh, it's interesting because you look at their lines. They had already been shaking up their lines a lot like before this Voracek suspension. Uh, Travis Konechny is the guy who looks like on paper should be the one suffering. He's been playing in the bottom six with Scott Lawton and Michael Raffle. That was his line yesterday in the win over the Islanders. Of course, his numbers don't indicate that he's in a bad spot at all. He's got four goals in his last four games, 12 points in his last 14 games. 
So I wonder if connect, like connecting is a tough one in terms of do you drop him because he has bad deployment or do you hold on to him because he has a good schedule? Though, of course, I wrote all of this before knowing that Voracek is injured. So probably we're going to have another lineup shakeup. But I would say if you're comparing connecting to someone, it's got to be Oscar Lindblom, who's actually been on a great line with Voracek, who he won't be with for the next couple of games, and Sean Couturier. And while Lindblom only has two assists in his last five games, he's taken 14 shots in that span. Like uh, Lindblom's been throwing pucks on net. He's kind of like the anti connecting because connecting hasn't been taking many shots yet he's happened to score i think it's like four goals in his last four games on like six shots like it's un- unreal meanwhile lindblom's taking so many shots and i guess nothing's going in but you know the past doesn't predict the future and you would think in the long term oscar lindblom's the guy who's going to get more points especially if he's getting better deployment like i've always loved connect playing with claude Giroux, and yeah i would definitely take a look at the lines for tomorrow's game with voracek out but in general who do you like between lindblom and connect actually let me throw one more player at you just so you could talk about all the philly guys at once another guy who might be available but you might want to add for this nice schedule is nolan patrick who was centering Giroux and jvr yesterday he scored a goal i guess my bottom line is philly has been scoring a lot of goals lately right and they have a good schedule next week i feel like you want to get in on that somehow and grab one of these players if travis sanheim is available you know what to do and honestly i don't even want to talk about him because it's so obvious that i was a brilliant genius for predicting that he'd be good uh, a few weeks ago uh, but in between like Lindblom, Konechny, and Nolan Patrick, all these guys may be available. I'd be curious to know how you would rank these guys. Who's the guy you would want? Okay, I wanted to be the genius who said Nolan Patrick is the guy you want. He's had, uh, since Wayne Simmons has been traded from Philadelphia, uh, Nolan Patrick has been one of the big beneficiaries. Yes, I used the right one of that move because ever since then, uh, Patrick has been attached at the hip to Claude Giroux, and that's who you want uh, your guy to be playing with. Unfortunately, Patrick doesn't take a lot of shots, so you really uh, can't count on much if he doesn't happen to get a goal or an assist. But I could say the same thing about Travis Konechny, who's seeing like three, uh, or not not great ice time. Actually, it's a couple more minutes than Nolan Patrick each night, but he's not doing a whole lot more with it. You mentioned, Elon, uh, Konechny had four goals in his last four games on seven shots. So that's not something that is going to keep up. Uh, and Lindblom was very interesting. Uh, he actually had a couple games where he played with Couturier and Giroux, uh, and that was exciting. And then he got to play with Voracek and Couturier, and now I don't know who he's going to play with. So we're going to have to pay very close attention to the Philly lines coming up. One good thing about Lindblom is that his, uh, his power play time uh, has gone up just uh, a little bit in the second half of the season. So I don't know if that, it, not to any meaningful extent though. I shouldn't have even brought it up. Well, he's, been play- I said it. well he's been playing on power play too with like, it's these three guys. It's pa- Patrick yeah. Lindblom Konechny, along with Sanheim and Provorov, I believe in the last game that makes a second power play. It was a pretty sweet second power play. Dave, who do you like on Philly of these potential streamers? I would first have to correct you in saying that Philadelphia does not have a good schedule next week. They have <gasps> an okay schedule next week. <laughs> Not everyone has a PhD in streaming. Okay, so they play on Monday, and then they play on... Wait, if you're going to be, you know, calling me out here, Monday against who, Dave? Yeah, Ottawa. So, okay, so let me finish. If you have a flyer on your roster, you're not dropping them, right? You're keeping them for that Monday game in Ottawa. But then after that, I'd say you can get rid of them. And if you don't have them already on your roster, are you really going to pick them up just for that Monday game against Ottawa and then wait all the way until Thursday when they play Washington? Then they play Toronto, could be up against Freddie Anderson on Friday, and then could be up against Murray on Sunday against Pittsburgh. 
not necessarily great. So if, yeah, if you have a flyer, someone like a connect me on your roster, someone like a Nolan Patrick already on your roster, you're keeping them for that Monday, but then I drop someone else, pick them up who has a much better schedule. Uh, but if you're making me choice, yeah, I'd rather have Patrick than connect me. Interesting. And Lindblom doesn't get any love at all. By the way, I know you hate this, Dave, but uh, Philly also has four games the following week. So if you if you're thinking long term, if you like if you think you're against it, you're like mocking me so much. If you have a week, let's say you came first and now you're playing the eighth seed next week. You think you're going to mop the floor with them. <laughs> then maybe you could afford to hold your uh, Nolan Patrick through Tuesday and Wednesday, get three games at the end of the week and then get another four games the following week. So Philly is definitely a team right now that I'm very interested in. Grab Travis Enheim if you can as well. Uh, so Jack Eichel also suspended. He had an illegal check to the head of Carl Soderberg. Oh, I didn't say the reason why Voracek was injured. Uh, or suspended, I should say. He had an illegal hit on Johnny Boychuk. It was like a reverse hit. It was, if you watch the replay, like Boychuk came towards him and then like Pat Voracek like, kind of turned around and hit him. And then it was kind of crazy. Like Boychuk got, was getting pulled away. You know, he's like injured and he's like, you know, getting helped off by the trainer. And Boychuk was like pointing at Voracek, like, I'm going to get you. And then Voracek said in a post-game interview, like, what is this, WrestleMania? Like it was, the whole thing is a little bit comical, but obviously someone's hurt. Uh, so I guess it can't be too comical, but obviously Boychuk was uh, healthy enough to angrily point, which is, anyway, this is very far off the beaten path here. Uh, so Jack Eichel, He'll be back for Saturday, Sunday, but he's going to miss Tuesday, Thursday games. Kind of makes me concerned about holding someone like Sam Reinhart. Like he's already pointless in four games, even though he'd finally gotten back on the Jack Eichel line. So I liked that. Wasn't getting any points. Now he's going to be playing again without Eichel, but also on the power play for Tuesday, Thursday before the weekend. I feel like this is the kind of guy that you may have to consider dropping depending on your options. What do you guys think? And also, by the way, Buffalo, if you even make it through this week, next week, Buffalo only plays Wednesday, Saturday. So Sam Reinhardt to me is like a tough hold right now. For sure. Anytime that you have uh, a guy losing his, the guy he makes music with. So you've got Reinhardt losing Eichel. It's always a little concerning. I do think Reinhardt might be good enough to keep producing. Like Elon, I feel like you're using a different logic here than you did when Taylor Hall was out and you're like, Oh, this is, this is okay news for Kyle Palmieri. Cause he's going to be in a better spot. Like Reinhardt uh, should still have Jeff Skinner to play with. And maybe, I, I don't know if Connor Sherry jumps up to the top line, but he's been doing quite well lately. Three goals, four assists for seven points in his last eight games. I know neither of those guys are Jack Eichel, but I still think Sam Ryan, I, like, I don't think you should be going so far as to thinking of dropping him. Interesting. All right. Well, there you go. Obviously, you're a little bit more conservative. I have a feeling Dave's going to say that you could drop Sam Reinhardt because he's pointless in four. Maybe he'll uh, surprise me. Yeah, you can drop him. <laughs> Is that it? That's it. All right, next. Let's go to some injuries and outjuries now. Tough break out of Colorado. Gabriel Landeskog is likely out for the season with an upper body injury. He ends the year with a career high 69 points in only 68 games. He was over a point per game pace. Last year, he put up 65 point pace for the whole season. He's already at 69. Would have been cool to see where he would have ended up, see if he could have broken 80 points but unfortunately no he's definitely someone by the way brian that we're gonna have to talk about in the summer series about how to rank gabriel landeskog for next year like is he an 80 point guy moving forward or is he still like a 65 point guy who got lucky this year so we'll talk about that later or you could 
talk about him when I throw to you eventually. But in the meantime, of course, the big question is who gets the spot? Who gets Nita Scott's spot on the top line with McKinnon and Rantanen? But alas, like it's not that simple. At least in their last game yesterday, Colorado decided to split up their stars in their win over Buffalo. McKinnon was on a line with JT Comfer and Derek Broussard, while Miko Rantanen was playing with Carl Soderberg and Colin Wilson, the top power play. They were obviously both there along with Broussard and Comfer, the two guys who were playing with McKinnon at even strength. Uh, meanwhile, Alex Kerfoot, someone who had been getting actually some time playing with McKinnon and Ranton even before Landeskog got injured, he's been in the bottom six. So I guess forget about him for now, though. He's still a guy who could end up jumping back there because I'd imagine Colorado is going to be shaking up these lines for the rest of the way. So, okay, I guess a couple questions for you now. Like we look into next week, Avalanche play Monday against Carolina, then not again until Friday and Sunday. So it's a long stretch between Monday and Friday, but it is three off day games. So you can get very likely three games out of a Colorado Avalanche guy if you add them. So I guess my two questions are, first of all, like should McKinnon or Rantanen owners be worried if they're playing away from each other? Both are red hot lately. I'm going to assume the answer is no, but I know people are thinking that. So I'm going to say no, unless one of you guys disagree. And then of course, the real uh, interesting question is who are you streaming? Maybe if not on Monday, then come Friday. If you want to get a guy for their Friday, Sunday games, you see Colorado has these two off day games and you want to grab someone playing with McKinnon or Rantanen. Assuming the lines stay the same, you obviously want to check out the practice lines to confirm that. Who do you like, I guess, between we're looking at Broussard or Comfer, who are playing with McKinnon and on the top power play? And both those guys are decent complementary players, uh, Comfer and Broussard. And I don't think we should rule out Alexander Kerfoot completely if McKinnon and Rantanen are reunited. Kerfoot was doing all right as a third wheel with them. Uh, he never quite got the top power play billing, but it's still uh, absolutely worth an ad if you, he's playing with those two guys at five on five. Elon, I don't think. Colorado is going to split them up for very long. And actually, let's play a quick game. If they are split up, uh, let's just uh, hypothetically, if McKinnon and Rantanen don't play together, um, who who do you think is hurt more by that? Um, I don't know. Like between McKinnon and Rantanen? Yeah, like Rantanen. Rantanen. Yeah, I guess we assume McKinnon is the real superstar here, but Rantanen is very good at holding his own, I think. Yeah, the, the, way to go. So I'm looking at their numbers together, and then I'm looking at their numbers when they're not playing with one another. And uh, Rantanen's uh, shot rates fall off more than McKinnon's, but not to like a crazy extent. Uh, so uh, both guys can absolutely drive their own offense. And uh, points to Dave for buzzing in first. Uh, Brian... <laughs> How many games have they played not together? Is this like a two-game sample size? So it's actually it's a small sample, but I went back to last season uh, to to collect the sample. So they've played about three hundred and thirty minutes apart over their last one hundred and fifty games played. Yeah, well, I know McKinnon had that injury last year, so Ranton did have to play a few games without him, and I recall it really did hurt Ranton. Like he didn't go cold, totally cold, but he was like a half point per game. And the reason I think they're going to be reunited is that that is how Colorado needs to win, right? Right now, they're on the outside looking in of the playoff picture, but it's very much in reach. Uh, As of tonight, they're two points back of Minnesota with the same number of games played. Uh, Arizona, of course, is in between those two teams with one point less than Minnesota, but a game in hand. So... uh, I think for Colorado to maximize their chances is the same way why in Dallas I suggested that they better be playing Ben Sagan and Radulov all together because that is how they win games. Trying to spread out their offense, I don't think the depth is quite there. Okay, Dave, what do you think about the streaming schedule? Are you into like a Brassard or a Comfer for late next week? 
Um, I'll echo kind of the same sentiments that I said for Philadelphia. If you already have an avalanche, you're obviously holding them for that Monday game against Carolina. Then, as you mentioned, they don't play again until Friday. So I wouldn't pick any avalanche up for the week on that Monday game unless you already have them. I would rather pick someone else up and then wait until that either Thursday, if you think someone's going to be uh, poaching them a day early or wait until Friday for that Friday and Sunday schedule, which is a favorable schedule against Anaheim and New Jersey. But regardless, I don't think either of them are that great of an option uh, in a deeper league. Comfort's already going to be taken. He's been playing on that top power play for a while now. Brassard is a good choice this week for those three games, but again, not for a week long, only three games and not consecutive like you would normally like to see. Uh, so I would kind of shy away from both of them unless you're in a really deep league and need some help. Yeah. Well, again, I was saying like, I'm kind of assuming that the smart strategist is going to wait till Friday or Thursday and then add one of these guys. Sounds like you're saying it's basically a coin flip, uh, which is, is a fair answer. Sometimes, sometimes I think the best answer uh, I've come to learn, like uh, people ask on our Facebook group, you know, sometimes we have these game day threads where people ask, oh, should I play this guy or this guy? And I always, I used to always try to pick a name, even if I had no idea. Now I'm, I'm more comfortable just saying, honestly, I have no idea. Flip a coin. I've, you know, unless I like have an idea, I'd rather not just get, get it wrong. Uh, so uh, probably the same with Comfort or Brassard. But take a look at the game day skates come Friday. And you probably have a guy sitting on Saturday because it's a super busy day. So you could drop your Saturday guy and get a Friday, Sunday guy, maybe from Colorado, maybe from somewhere else. Okay, Robin Leonard is also injured. He was forced to leave Tuesday's game versus Ottawa after a collision with Brady Kachuk. He hasn't practiced with the team yet, but he did do some on-ice workouts today, according to a tweet by Andrew Gross. So we don't know when Robin Leonard will be back. He's still technically day-to-day. Got to imagine Thomas Grice is still going to get at least a couple more games. And that makes Thomas Grice an obvious own or hold like with Leonard out. Like He's already had such an amazing season, and the only reason he would have been a free agent just because he wasn't getting you the games played he has a 924 save percentage of 36 games <laughs> that said anyone who added thomas grice for his game yesterday versus philly got rocked for five goals against on 15 shots before he got pulled for the current backup chris gibson man like goalies it's so frustrating I can't, like dave and i were talking before we started the show about how uh devin dubnik shut out tampa and then the next day got like destroyed by, I don't even remember who it was, like a much uh, worse team. Let me check right now here. Florida. Again, Florida. So it's like, not that Florida's bad, but you know what I mean? Like uh, there was a, one of our patrons was talking about, Zach was saying how he like sat Dubnik versus Tampa, lost the shutout, even though he could have played him. He just sat him because he was afraid of Tampa. Then he decided, all right, I guess I'm going to play him against Florida. Then gets killed, loses his uh, goalies for the week. Maybe he's even out of out of his playoffs now. It's, it's ridiculous. Like goalies are so hard to predict. Thomas Grice, I guess like Philly's a high scoring team, so he's risky. But it's so like we're trying to do a podcast where we're trying to be predictive here, give you advice that might actually come true more often than it doesn't. And I feel like with these goalies, it's it's almost impossible. I'm really seriously considering for the couple next year. Like not maybe not seriously considering, but I'm considering for the couple next year, not even including goalies because I feel like it's just like flipping a coin at this point. Anyways, I'm, I'm way off here, but Brian, you're putting your hand up. What do you, what do you want to say about this? Well, Dubnik has been somewhat unreliable this year, even though 57% of his starts have been quality starts. The ones that haven't been quality starts have been awful, so awful. Uh, it's 9-11 save percentage, which this year is an okay number. Of course, it's been brought up by uh, a recent spate of great games. But what I wanted to mention is you said uh, how he shut out Tampa, and then the next day... He played at Florida on the road. So uh, that was his third 
game played in four days. Uh, and that this is coming. They were all on the road and they'd been on the road for two games already. The Wilds have been on the road for seven of their last eight. Devin Dubnik is probably tired, right? Like you have to think that it was a not a great decision to play him on a back to back. And I know, Elon, lately you've been you've become a back to back truther, wondering if there's really a negative effect on goalies or teams playing a second game in a second night and whether that puts them at a disadvantage against a rested team. And I can assure you it does. <laughs> and so Devin Dubnik blowing up uh, after a 25 save shutout uh, the next night is not so surprising. That was a strange choice by Bruce Boudreaux, in that's, my opinion. That's fair. I love that you're calling me a back-to-back truther. I'm just wondering, it's just like the way you talk about back-to-backs. It's like anytime anyone asks, should I play this guy or this guy? Oh, this team's on a back-to-back? No, no, no. Definitely sit that guy. Like, I'm just saying that maybe it's not like a guarantee, but I agree with you. Anyways, I'm not a back-to-back truther. I don't even want to talk about this. I, I do want to <laughs> okay, say, Brian, well, let me just, I, can I shut out? Oh, okay, sorry. Well, I just want to say that, uh, by the way, Zach, if you're listening, Brian is calling you a dum-dum for having what? played Dubnik against Florida. You said, Brian, clearly they shouldn't have played Dubnik against Florida. That was a dumb decision. So don't I'm... you don't you also then mean that Zach was dumb for playing Dubnik against Florida in his fantasy league? You just have to be nervous about playing a goalie two nights in a row. I'm not calling a patron dumb. I would never do that. Or a listener, even. I wouldn't even call a listener dumb. You're smart. You're listening to our show. Good for you. I I just really do feel for anybody who uh, threw caution to the wind. Uh, And like Florida, yes, is a crummy team, but they do have a, a lot of firepower there. And then there are people like Adam M in the chat who started, uh, who benched Dubnik against Tampa and then started him against Florida. Yeah, that's what I said Zach did. I love how Yeah, Brian, yeah it's well, the same thing. Yeah, it's a terrible thing to so have you done. Called, so and you and Adam I can't... dumb also. I... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyways, we were talking about Thomas Grice. Uh, so... Hold on, hold on. Yeah. I, I, gotta, I gotta tell this story, right? So I'm playing against someone in the top tier to cook up a winner get in, Yep. He starts and he starts Dubnik. He gets the shuttle against the lightning. You know, I'm ticked. And then the next day I see he's getting the start again in a back to back against the lightning. And I'm like, oh, you know what? If he's gonna get a back to back start, I'm at least gonna make some money off this. I go down to the casino <laughs> and I lay down three hundred dollars. What? That the Panthers are going to score less than four goals against the Wild. So you're all, Brian also thinks you're dumb. <laughs> so well, anyone, like, anyone who's brought, yeah, you're also calling me incredibly dumb, which I I'm am. I'm not calling anyone dumb. I would never do such a thing. I mean, you called the Minnesota coach for making the decision to start Dubnik dumb. So I'm just. I said uh, it was a questionable decision. <laughs> all right, let's, let's move on to. So we're talking about Thomas Grice here. The Islanders play Columbus on Monday and then Montreal on Thursday, Detroit Saturday and Minnesota Sunday. I feel like we're not going to recommend anyone not to add Thomas Grice, right? Even though he blew up in his last game, I like there's no better option out there in free agency. Like with all goalies being unreliable, I feel like you got to go with the goalie who's a starter now while Leonard's injured, who has a 924 save percentage on the season, right? Like I, just tell me that I'm right here. I know people will get maybe people will get mad if then he turns out to blow it for them. But how can we not recommend grabbing Thomas Grace if he's somehow still available? I recommend Thomas Grace. You need to right over the course of the season. He's been above average, and we know if you're playing the goalie stakes 
any game is a potential game to just get destroyed. So you, you you just have to be ready for it if it happens. But Thomas Grice, I would say, has a lesser chance of being destroyed than several other goalies in the league. He's put together a great season so far. The team in front of him is good. I wouldn't be so scared off of starting him after uh, just a one bad night. What about Johnny Boychuk is injured? Is, is that a concern? I don't know. I'm throwing out there. By the way, Brian, good call. Matt Barzal. Uh, we, you said last week that you should hold on to him. Hey, uh, yeah. an assist versus I, I, Ottawa. Two assists I, really, really. I really stuck my neck, my neck out on that one. Hey, he, he had only one goal and three assists in his previous 13 games. I'm sure he was dropped in some leagues. So what, he has three assists in his last two. Let's see what he can do next week. I'm still I'm not as into the Islanders as you are, Brian. Like, I don't think they're such a good team. I'll bet you they fall to a wild card before this is all said and done. I think Pittsburgh's going to pass them. Wouldn't be surprised to also see Carolina pass them at some point. Dave, uh, want to give any thoughts on Grice and the Islanders before we move on to another crazy goalie situation? Uh, no, Grice is cool. Brian, let's get your thoughts on uh, you're currently down eight, projected to lose by five. How are you feeling? Why are you bringing, I'm trying to stay positive during this episode. I'm not checking the scores. I'm like barely even talking about what I need to happen for fear of jinxing it. So uh, do us all a favor, Dave. Save those updates for later. Jinx, that's what I think. You know, if Brian is projected to lose by five, he could probably blame a lot of that on one of his goalies, Jordan Bennington, who was obviously a great ad back when he started uh, winning, you know, becoming Jordan Winnington back in the day, but he actually had a pretty bad last couple of games. He let in three goals on 20 shots last Saturday versus Dallas, and then four goals on 27 shots versus Anaheim of all teams on Wednesday. Uh, he still got that 5-4 win just because Anaheim is not the greatest team defensively, uh, but hey, uh, all of a sudden, Bennington had two bad games. Then Jake Allen came in for his scheduled back-to-back game against LA on Thursday. He shut them out, 28 saves, and that earned Allen the start yesterday versus San Jose, where he was great again. He stopped 30 of 32 before he let in an overtime goal to Kevin LeBanc. And by the way, guys, I, I recommend we all do this because I don't like this counting overtime goals against a goalie. So I could have said he let he only stopped 30 of 33, but I'd rather say he stopped 30 of 32 before letting in the overtime goal because it makes his numbers sound a lot more impressive. Anyways, Jake Allen's had now two good games in a row. And so like the question is now what? St. Louis plays Arizona on Tuesday, Ottawa then on Thursday, then Pittsburgh Saturday, Buffalo Sunday. Who do you think gets that Tuesday start versus Arizona? I feel like St. Louis is going to have to ride Jake Allen at this point, right? Or do they just go back to Bennington because they assume he's their guy going into the playoffs? But maybe he's not their guy. Like maybe this is a situation similar to like New Jersey last year or similar to Washington last year where, you know, Holpe got bumped and then didn't play a lot for the like tail end of the season. But then once the playoffs started, I believe that Grubauer played like the first game. And then after that, Holpe took over and went on and won the cup. Is that what we're going to see here? Like how nervous should Jordan Bennington owners like yourself, Brian B. And if Jake Allen is available, how viable is he out of free agency? Well, I, I suppose I've demonstrated how nervous I should be about Bennington by adding Jake Allen. I added him to get both ends of that St. Louis back to back, and uh, it paid off because uh, he started an extra game for me. Uh, although I guess I would have gotten it with Bennington. But anyway, uh, Jake Allen is not the greatest threat to Jordan <laughs> Bennington's job, right? Let's let's keep in mind, though, if you go back to Jake Allen's starts, um, he didn't have a great one against San Jose. But before that, uh, more often than not, he'd been good. Wait, why are you saying he didn't have a good one against San Jose? Well, because he had a 909 save percentage. No, we don't do that here on Keeping Carlson. <laughs> he had like a 930 save percentage and then let in a three-on-three overtime goal. That is not something to hold against him. Okay, so if you allow that to be the case, which... By the way, I agree. I feel like I was even part of the reason we started saying that. Uh, 
of his last five starts, uh, you know what? I'm going to go back. There's one start he stopped 40 of 44 shots on goal. Uh, I'm going to give him that one too. Uh, that might have also been an overtime. Uh, oh, that was an overtime win, so forget it. Um, anyway, he's been good is the point I'm trying to make about Jake Allen. He's been better than bad uh, might be the better uh, qualifier. And, of course, Jake Allen is always one game away from blowing up. The one very funny thing about Jake Allen this year that St. Louis Blues fans will tell you like instantly you'll say like hey how's it going and they'll say Jake Allen's really good on the road and that's been the case this year he's a 924 save percentage in 21 road games uh 878 at home in the same number of games so it's like this very strange quirk of Jake Allen this year I I don't know uh, like that there's anything really behind it um it doesn't seem to be something that should consistently be true about a goalie last year. He was slightly better on the road than at home, but not to the extent that I think this is a real thing. It's just uh, a strange coincidence, but these are the sort of things that sometimes get in guys heads and motivate them. So I wonder if Jake Allen sees uh, some of the road starts going forward. Elon, one thing I'm curious about that I didn't have time to research Bennington needed to start like a certain number of games, right. To avoid becoming a free agent of sorts. Do you know if he's reached that number yet? That's a good question, and I don't know. Uh, maybe someone in the chat room could help us. Yeah, it was like he'll become an unrestricted free agent unless he starts a certain number of games. Yeah, someone look that up for us. Uh, but anyways, uh, back to the Jake Allen question. Yeah, the problem is, like you said, Brian, Jake Allen hasn't isn't good. And then you like said another word, but it's like, yeah, Jake Allen is Jake Allen, right? He's like definitely going to screw you over at some point. It seems like that's been the case, and any Jake Allen owner in fantasy will tell you that. But at the same time, St. Louis is a good team. So if you start uh, the St. Louis goalie on a given day, the goalie who's playing, you have a decent chance of getting the win. And right now, I'm kind of thinking that it's going to be a 50-50. I'm very interested to see who's going to play on Tuesday, and I'm very interested to see how that goalie will do and how that will affect the rest of the way. Dave, if you had to answer right now, who's starting game one of the playoffs for St. Louis? Is it Allen or Bennington? I would have to go Bennington if we're saying who's going to start the playoffs. If we're going to Who's going to start Tuesday? I'd probably go Allen. But either way, I think it's safe to say that they both start two games next week. One starts to Tuesday, maybe one starts to Thursday, and then obviously there's a back-to-back in which they'll flip. So in regards to season long, it really doesn't help much, but uh, it's hard to hold those 1A, 1B scenarios. I would maybe look to see if you can really flip one into something that could help you a little bit more in other categories or get you a little bit more points. Yeah, it's kind of similar now to maybe Carolina, right? Like, do you really hold one of Morazic or McElhenney? McElhenney, by the way, got creamed in this last game. So maybe Morazic has taken a step forward as being the starter. Kind of similar, actually, to the St. Louis situation where Allen has been a little bit better lately. Uh, yeah, it's really hard to hold a goalie in a tandem like this. And, you know, how quickly things change. Again, goalies, just so hard to predict. We were looking at Bennington as probably one of the top goalies to own in fantasy a couple weeks ago. And now we're looking at him as someone that you may want to drop this week because he's going to be splitting stars with Jake Allen. Crazy. Go- goalies are super fickle. Uh, and fantasy hockey gets fickler when you pay attention to goalies. Uh, I did the research on Jordan Bennington, so he needs to play 27 games by season's end. Uh, so far, he's played 22 games. So he needs five more games played in the Blues' last 14 games. So that does not at all guarantee that he's going to start the majority of the games. But I do think he is guaranteed to play those five games. So I, no. I don't know that I'd drop him for that reason, because I still think he'll have a chance to reprove himself. And in the meantime, Jake Allen 
let's just say it honestly, he's likely to blow up. So if you're a Bennington owner, as I am, like, I think you sort of have to ride it out. I own the St. Louis tandem. And it's unfortunate because I I traded David Riddick uh, a few weeks ago because I was tired of tandem situations. And here I am again. So you can blame me for creating a tandem situation in St. Louis. Uh, I take the credit. Can I make an SAT analogy here? I think that uh, Jordan bit, or no, let's say Jake Allen is to the St. Louis blue. Okay. I don't even know how how these work. Basically, I think that Jake Allen is a lot like Craig Smith who we talked about before where he goes through long stretches of being terrible, but there are also sometimes stretches where he's really good. Like I remember the playoffs a couple years ago where he totally stole a series against, I think the Minnesota wild, like Allen could just get hot. He's done it before. Uh, but there's also a good chance he blows you up. I had no idea you take the SATs in Canada. We don't. That's why I messed that up so badly. I don't remember how they go. Okay, uh, let's go. We're still in injuries and outjuries, by the way. Was there an... Oh, yeah, I did. Okay, on St. Louis, I didn't mention. Uh, Braden Chen is back. Oh, and Vladimir Tarasenko is injured. Actually, we've got a lot to talk about on St. Louis still. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, and we've already been going for a long time. It's really fun. I'm having a great time with you guys. Uh, maybe uh, that's the thing, though. When you have a show with three people, maybe I shouldn't have prepared so many things to discuss, because we all have takes to give. Yeah, so Braden Chen returned from his concussion on Wednesday versus Anaheim. He's red hot lately. He had a goal. This is versus the Ducks, two assists versus the Kings, then a goal yesterday versus the Sharks. Right back to the top line, top power play. Seems like Braden Shen is like a clear must own. We did have a couple patrons mentioning that he was in free agency in their league. So yeah, no doubt you want to have Braden Shen. Though, unfortunately, it's an injury situation in St. Louis as Vladimir Tarasenko missed yesterday's game. And news just came out today that like they're going to wait 10 days before reevaluating him. So it might even be a pretty, like you're definitely not going to get him next week. Maybe even be a couple weeks before you see Vladimir Tarasenko in the least. Uh, so I don't know. I guess that's kind of bad for Braden Chen. But at the same point, I feel like Ryan O'Reilly is the real superstar to be playing with. So as long as he's playing with him, it's probably not so bad. And I guess it's good news for Jaden Schwartz as he jumped onto the top line and top power play with Shen and Ryan O'Reilly yesterday. Jaden Schwartz is someone who's been doing nothing lately. He's pointless in his last eight games, but that's why you need uh, brilliant geniuses like us here on this podcast. Anyone can tell you to pick up a player who's been hot lately, but who's out there telling you to pick up a guy who's been pointless in eight games? It's me. I think you should go grab Jaden Schwartz if he's going to be playing on the top line and top power play with Shen and Ryan O'Reilly. What do you guys think about that? Simple, right? We we make this uh, comparison all the time or this advice all this time that you want the third wheel and Jaden Schwartz is better than your average third wheel uh, getting top line, top power play time. So this would be a great time for Jaden Schwartz to remind everybody that he's capable of stuff. He's been snake bit this season. He really has 28 points in 55 games. So yeah, just under half point per game, but he's only shooting 4%. That's bad. Uh, And normally over his career, he shoots around 10%, uh, usually over that. Uh, He's still shooting at a good rate. In fact, he could, he might, it's possible, uh, set a career high 82 game pace in shots on goal this season. So I have faith that Jaden Schwartz, with good deployment, can still do something. He, uh, along with so many Blues players, uh, has had a hard time, has found himself on the, on the wrong side of the hockey gods' uh, wrath this season. But so many Blues have snapped out of it one by one. Tarasenko snapped out of it. Petrangelo snapped out of it. Jake Allen, to some extent, snapped out of it. Uh, now, maybe it's Jaden Schwartz's turn, and he's well-positioned to do so. Yeah, I agree. I love Schwartz this week. I was actually flabbergasted whenever you I saw in your notes there that Schwartz had been so bad recently. I was like, wow, no idea. But with that said, that just means one thing. He's due. Pick him up. I think he's going to be great this week. 
Yeah, hey, your name in the couple tier one is Gambler's Fallacy, and you're living up to it by saying he's due. But I, he's a good player. He's in a good situation, and I do agree. This guy's not going to go pointless for, like, 20 games to end the season, right? Like, I think that now is the time. He's probably available in your league. He's been dropped in a couple of my leagues. I haven't added him yet, actually, but I probably should. Uh, I actually added Tyler Johnson in the cupful just because he plays Monday in a couple of weeks. I have the bye next week. I know uh, I need to hit my quota of telling people how uh, that I have a bye next week. Uh, but yeah, so I wanted to get that Monday game from Tyler Johnson. So I'm really gaming it like a week in advance. But maybe that was dumb. Maybe I should have just added Jaden Schwartz because I do think he's going to be good. Though I didn't know at the time that Vladimir Tarasenko was going to be out so long, meaning Schwartz would be on the top line. Okay, so another outjury situation in Anaheim. Ryan Getzlaff came back after missing three games though you wouldn't know it looking at the stat sheet he's been doing absolutely nothing in his four games since returning and the crazy thing is Getzlaff has been pointless even though like everyone else is finally waking up on the Ducks the Ducks have 15 goals in their last three games including eight against the Habs on Friday and yet Ryan Getzlaff has done absolutely nothing like all of a sudden I have like a bunch of hot Anaheim Ducks players I want to ask you guys your opinions on before I get to them though What's your take on Ryan Getzlaff? Like, is he still the guy you want over any other Anaheim Duck going into next week? Or is there something wrong with him? Is it time to consider dropping Ryan Getzlaff? I've always been talking about the Ducks in terms of if he's playing with Getzlaff, that's a good thing. I'm worried right now. Yes, you should be. I have a theory about Ryan Getzlaff. And first, let's just acknowledge uh, Carey Price getting shelled against Anaheim. Like, all eight goals scored against him. I'm sure that ruined a lot of people's fantasy weeks. And that just speaks to what we were saying. Goalies, what can you do, right? Uh, Carey Price having had a, a nice bounce back season, only to... Yeah, get shelled by Anaheim, who has 15 goals on their last 87 shots in large part because of that Montreal game. So they're shooting uh, the lights out all of a sudden, which is not going to continue, uh, which is bad news for Ryan Getzlaff. Fewer chances for him to get in on it, which is a weird thing to be saying about Ryan Getzlaff. Usually he's the guy creating it, helping make it happen. So my theory that I already alluded to about Ryan Getzlaff is I wonder if he's playing hurt. He came back uh, from injury Uh, played almost 22 minutes, had three shots, looks like a normal game, no points. Uh, And then the next game he played, just under 18 minutes. The next game, 17 and a half minutes. And the most recent game, in that destruction of Montreal, he played just 15 minutes and three seconds. And Ryan Getzlaff is not a guy who plays 15 minutes and three seconds. It's his second lowest total ice time of the season. You have to go back to October 6th. When uh, the second game of the year, when for some reason he played just 13 minutes, Elon, I wonder if he got injured in that game. But this is a guy who's played uh, 20 minutes or more 28 times this season. So I'm wondering if perhaps something is wrong with Ryan Getzlaff or the Bob Murray behind the bench is just so committed to finding out what the rest of the the roster has to offer in terms of talent for next year uh, as the GM, what he's going to do with them. If he's like, oh, Ryan, can you just take a backseat to all these guys? Uh, in any case, not the return Getzlaff owners were hoping for. And if you own Getzlaff and had him in IR, I can only hope that you kept him stashed there because I don't think Enheim's going to continue scoring goals at this clip. They're going to go back to their really crummy goal scoring ways uh, before uh, these last three games, they had scored just seven goals over six games. And that's what you need to be concerned about. It's like a double situation. Saw Hall, Saw's his year. Uh, the Ducks are in a bad spot, even with Ryan Getzlaff and Ricard Raquel in the lineup. 
Wow. Well, I'm about to tell you a whole bunch of Ducks players who are looking amazing <laughs> right now. So you're yeah. saying they have nothing, and I'm going to rhyme off like 10 players who yeah. are looking really appealing. But it sounds like you're saying that uh, people should let go of Getzlaff. You don't expect him to bounce back this season because you think he's injured? I'm saying be careful. Like maybe you, maybe you want to, maybe what you want to do. Now you don't, let's like, assume oh. that you don't have him stashed in IR, by the way. Yeah. So I would probably give him another game, see if his ice time changes. And if it doesn't, I might be ready to cut bait. Like if he was doing this and still playing 19, 20 minutes a night, I'd be okay with it. But I do wonder, he came back from injury. If he is injured, that would be the dumbest thing in the world for him to be playing out this stretch, this completely meaningless stretch for Anaheim. Um, So I hope that's not the case. But sometimes when we see this happen, uh, that's the reason behind it. All right. So uh, unless, Dave, you want to throw out a Getzlaff take, I'm ready to blow your minds with a bunch of hot Ducks players. What do you think? Well, I mean, I'm going to prelude that with saying the quack attack is back, Jack. The Ducks (laughs) are absolutely killing it. I am all about the Ducks right now. I am riding the likes of Adam Henrique and the Silver Surfer, Silverberg, into the Tier 1 playoffs right now, baby. Uh, Yeah, Genslev has been terrible. I'd kind of avoid him. Even in the shallowest leagues, I think you kind of got to get rid of him. And and even your deeper leagues, your 12-team and your 14-team leagues, 12-team league, I'd probably get rid of him. 14-team league, I'd probably hang on. But, yeah, he's just not up to snuff. I kind of agree with Brian's take that he's playing injured in that regard. But, oh, man, those secondary players are just oh, – go ahead, Elon. Okay, so Anaheim plays today against LA, and then they go Tuesday in their next game versus Nashville. So I'm going to say I'm going to give Getzlaff those two games, go with Brian's metric of not only looking at his points, but looking at his ice time. And if it's still looking questionable, if he's still not doing anything, I might say to drop him before his Thursday game. Though Anaheim does play, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, and then Friday, Sunday. So you've got like a decent schedule there. But uh, obviously you want to have someone that can help you. And maybe one of these Ducks guys, you might want more than Getzlaff. And definitely one of these guys I'm about to rhyme off is in free agency for you. So Brian, I'm going to deploy my once a week player ranking question which it sounds to me like you're just going to say all of them at the bottom but uh, I want to get your ranking of which Ducks player to add for a nice schedule on a team that's heated up lately so uh, I'll just give you guys both of the, the the lists I'll give you guys the list of players and some info about them and then afterwards you could give me your rankings uh, so you already mentioned Dave Adam Henrique has been playing on a line with Nick Ritchie and Troy Terry who we'll get to in a second also on the top power play Henrique has four goals in his last three games He's on a 43-point pace on the season, but super hot lately. Seems kind of like the top-line center, you know, with Ryan Getzloff struggling. You got Ricard Raquel, who, like, everyone who dropped him has missed out on a four-game point streak. Like, I was saying, by the way, in the Facebook group, I still believe in Ricard Raquel. I know there's one guy who was really, like, calling me out on it, so haha. But, I mean, maybe now he'll, like, slow down again, and I'll and you'll get the last laugh. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know why I'm, like, calling out listeners. It's just more fun this way. I don't know. Dave's here. I feel like the vibe. Are you, are you calling this person dumb? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's rude. We don't well, talk that way about people who engage with us. Well, then why did you ask me to do it? Well, I was just saying, I thought you were going to say, no, I'm not calling him dumb. And then you would feel what I feel. Hey, Ricard Raquel had a 73 point pace last year. That kind of talent doesn't just disappear. He is only on a 44 point pace this season. So it's been a huge drop and he'll be a really fun guy to talk about in the off season. But with Anaheim's schedule, I, I like Ricardo Raquel. So he's in the list. Henrique, Raquel, we're going to rank these guys, right? Along with Getzlaff. Okay, Troy Terry. Got to talk about him. His name's already been written like five times in the chat room since we started this episode. Everyone wants, wants us to talk about Troy Terry. 
definitely taking advantage of his latest opportunity. He had a goal against Arizona, three assists versus St. Louis, a goal and two assists in that crazy game versus Montreal. He's been seeing over 50% power play time in these last three games. He's a top power play guy. My question is, is this guy Troy Terry for real? I mean, by the way, he only got called up recently. He's played 41 games with the San Diego, San Diego Gulls of the AHL. Brian, I looked this up because I thought you weren't going to be joining us. <laughs> uh, so I had to do a little bit of extra yeah, research Yeah, this here. is my shtick. Want to guess how many? I have it written here, so I guess you know. But if anyone want to play it along at home, 41 games, guess how many points? The answer, 41 points. He's been a point per game guy in the minors. Now he's crushing it in the majors. So I imagine he's going to be on the top of a lot of people's rankings. Uh, some other players that you might want to consider grabbing. Uh, Dave mentioned the Silver Surfer. Jacob Silverberg, six points in his last four games. He's playing with Henrique, getting top power play time as well. He's on a 41-point pace on the season. We used to love him on Keeping Carlson. That feels like a long, long time ago. Uh, Nick Ritchie on this Henrique Terry line. He's three points in his last two games. He also throws hits every once in a while. You got Corey Perry, who's been on like the fourth line, less than 50% power play time. He did have a goal and an assist in that game against Montreal, but nothing before. So I feel like Corey Perry is pretty much done uh, compared to all these other guys. So you never know moving forward. Then obviously uh, we have some other guys that I won't get you guys to rank because these are further lower, but uh, you got Max Jones and Daniel Sprong playing with Getzlaff. So if Getzlaff heats back up, that might be good for those guys if those lines stay. You've also got Devin Shore playing with Silverberg and Raquel. And I want to throw out the name Cam Fowler, who's not eligible for this ranking, but the guy's riding a four-game point streak. So if you were able to grab him out of free agency and needed a defenseman, he's really worked out well for you after he was doing nothing after coming back from injury. Still, uh, if he's still available, I kind of like him moving forward, assuming you think that Anaheim's still going to score goals. He's the top power play guy. If they score a power play goal or even an even strength goal, there's a good chance Cam Fowler gets in on it. Okay, so all these forwards, good luck. Give me a ranking. I Well, I am able, I was able to pick up Cam Fowler at, because I traded him to Dave and then Dave dropped him when he was garbage. And I expect him to, to again, and all of Anaheim. So I'm sort of uh, foreshadowing my answer here. I expect them all to crumble again soon. But in the meantime, if they have a, a schedule that helps you, that helps you get an extra couple games, they have lotto tickets that you can pick up, right? And it's to rank the lotto tickets you mentioned, Elon. Ricard Raquel, obviously at the top of the list. I don't think that's even a question. Ahead, so of, weird. ahead of Ryan Getzloff? Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the weird thing about Raquel is that he's suddenly producing away. Like, this is his first time away from Getzlaff all season long, and I'm not making this connection and saying, oh, yeah, like, Raquel's finally free of Getzlaff. Getzlaff was dragging him down. I don't think that's true, but it is, it's it's funny and strange that suddenly Raquel is uh, picking up points with Silverberg and Devin Shore or Sam Steele. So, in any case, Raquel's owner's, have been starred for so long. Uh, let's just enjoy it. Let's not think too hard about why it's happening. If you're a Troy Terry owner, like Dave, you're like, ah, oh, you're riding these guys to the playoffs. You might want to drop them in round one uh, immediately. Good luck getting through the round with these guys on your roster. I'm really not high on any of them. You look at Troy Terry, who, yeah, thinks he's Steph Court Curry with a couple three-point games happening. But really, over over the course of this call-up that he's had, uh, 12 games, uh 14 shots on goal and he scored on three of them. So it's not a terribly reassuring uh, score line for somebody who I want to see production from. And I'm going to say the same thing about all these guys. Nick Ritchie uh, has three shots in his last three games. So again, shots aren't coming. If your league counts hits, he can be valuable for you there. What it comes down to, uh, to quote Alenis Morissette, is that the Ducks got lucky in their last game. Usually if you score eight goals, you've probably taken more than 30 shots. That was not the case. 
for the Ducks against Montreal. So I don't think like a lot of these guys, Terry, Henrique, have these inflated point totals, uh, Richie, sure, that just aren't going to last. And I'll throw in Fowler there too. And Raquel to some extent. I think the best you can hope for from any duck going forward is a half point per game. Damn. All right. I like your take. I love that Steph Curry reference with the three-point games. Uh, Dave, want to give us a ranking? Uh, including defensemen? No, no, just forwards. You could pass also if you want. This is only an exercise I make Brian go through. Did you give a ranking, Brian, or you just sort of went down the list and said everyone who you don't like? <laughs> uh, okay, I'll give my ranking. So Raquel, Getzlaff, Henrik, Silverberg, uh, and then I guess I'll go Terry, Richie, Perry. Okay. Dave, want to give it a shot? Uh, I'll, well, I mean, his rankings are all right. I'll I'll swap uh, Silverberg <laughs> and Henrik, but... For the most part, I'm also going to quote someone and say, uh, your knocking of the Ducks is fake news. The haters and the losers, they're going to make you believe that the Ducks can't keep this up. Don't believe them. Ducks are... Can we make a side bet on this? Can I get you to, to dump Mountain yeah. Dew on your head again or whatever Let it was? The, take it to the Facebook group. Oh, that was V8. Keep in carlson.com slash patron and then be, join the Facebook group. And then we could watch this bet happen in real time. I'd love to see a Dave versus Brian with the ducks going. I'm having so much fun, by the way, guys, this is like a really fun uh, episode. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. By the way, it was Alex from Mokhtar who said that it's time to drop Raquel. Oh my God. <laughs> you're really, you're really going all in on no, no. calling people dumb. No, I wanted to say that Alex has amazing takes. He's a really <laughs> smart guy. This one was wrong, but most of his takes are really good. So I think it's better to say the name rather than just be like this guy and then move on. Like, for you sure. Know? So, so long there, as you're not calling that person dumb. Would you rather be remembered for being dumb or not remembered at all, though? So interesting uh, philosophical. I, I think I'd rather not be remembered <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, let's do another outjury here. We never talked about Andre Sekera returning to the Oilers, and we will continue to not do that because he's a nobody now. But I do want to talk about the Oilers, so it's a nice segue. They have a nice schedule next week, especially at the start. They play Monday and then Wednesday and Saturday, Sunday. But you get that Monday game against the Rangers, Wednesday against the Devils, two pretty uh, easy games maybe against weaker teams. So, of course, we've got to mention the obvious potential stream of Zach Cassian, who had a four-game goal streak broken yesterday versus the Leafs in a game where he was still plus two and playing with McDavid and Drysaddle for a good chunk of the game. So he had a good chance to still pick up points in that game he was on the ice for goals uh can we call i don't think this is a term we've ever used but can we call zach cassian like a must stream for monday wednesday like he's playing with mcdavid and dry he's on this great run like how would you not want him except for there is one thing that we just saw a tweet today that he had a baby this morning uh, so congr- congratulations to zach cassian for baby ellery um but at the same time I don't know, like usually that maybe he won't even play. I imagine he'll probably play, right? Because he had a baby today. But uh, if he does play, maybe he's tired. He's been up ever since his baby was born. Uh, But aside from that, what do you think about Zach Cassian? Is he someone that people should be grabbing at least for Monday, Wednesday? If we're giving streaming advice this episode, how could you not want two home games against the Rangers and the Devils playing with McDavid from a hot player? Yeah, you want Zach Cassian. Uh, Also, if your league counts hits, there's some bonus there. Uh, Every so often he throws a five or six hit game up on the score sheet. One 
reason to think that maybe the Cassian train is about to stop. But when he has a baby and we know how much that affects everybody's ability to uh, to be competent. And two, uh, he started uh, on this line with 11 shots in his first three games. Uh, in his last two, he only has three shots. So that's something that I'm not so happy about I would rather that he still be firing pucks on net the way he was when he first got promoted to this line but that line has been seeing success with him on it and I imagine he can get in on it so yeah he's a really good third wheel to try and stream into your lineup this week with two very uh, score opponents score <laughs> I like that um I can't reiterate this enough he had a baby and so you cannot pick this guy up. Monday, Wednesday, big freaking whoop. That's not that great of a schedule. There's been plenty of other players who played with McDavid this year. The person that Brian is going to lose to, that is going to keep him out of tier one of the couple next year, named her team after Ty Ratty, Karate Kid. What did he do this year? Absolutely nothing. Don't worry about this guy. There are much better players you can pick up. Pick him up from the guy who drops gets laugh like a doom cough, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, a be- what? like a what? Like a what? Wait, I need to know if I can... Do I need to send <laughs> do I need to censor this or is that okay? A doom cough? I, I think it's German. Doom cough. Like a I dummy. still don't know who you're talking about. The person who drops gets laugh. A doom cough. That's a okay. Anyways, uh I think that uh who cares about what happened to Ty Ratty? All I know is well, whatever. If he's playing with Ty McDavid, Ratty, I w- yeah, Ty Ratty couldn't handle it. Sorry to interrupt you, Elon. I, like what Dave is saying is, you really want Leon Drysidle, who, by the way, my opponent does have. While well, he's gone off this week, so that's been sad for me. Uh, but you can't get Leon Drysidle and Zach Cassian. I mean, not the next best thing, but he's he's somewhat down the list. Still valuable though. Like like Dave, can I ask you, uh, Alex Chason? Were you ever? Didn't you own him? I did not. Okay, so so would you never own the third wheel on the Edmonton line? Like, that just doesn't appeal to you? I would have, but has that ever been more sustainable than, like, a week or two tops? Hey, No, but if you need to, like, we're in the playoffs, baby. Yeah, I, I think I like Cassian. Yeah, baby. He just had a baby. Yeah. You can't pick him up. <laughs> That's fair. Brian did say Michael Granlund earlier and Quentin uh. Howden. So we, you see what a baby does to people. Uh, since we're on the Oilers. Right, wait, do- hold on real quick. In regards to third wheelers, who would you rather have this next week? Blake Reinhardt or. Wait, say third- it again. Reinhardt? Yeah. Or, or Cassian? Yeah, or Cassian, yeah. Reinhardt. Without uh, Eichel? Yeah. He's not Reinhardt's not a third wheel. Like he can drive it. He can do his own thing. Yeah, Brian, I think All was right, the. I'll, I'll take that bet. All right, boo. Wait, so da- Dave, you just talked <laughs> down Cassian. This is what Dave does, and then he gets the bet that he wants. Okay, again, take it to the Facebook group and list your bets. And I'm gonna have a lot of fun moderating these bets for you guys. Uh, but we should probably move forward here uh, on the Oilers. What do you think, by the way, about my Oscar Clefbaum take that we're done with him? He had a goal yesterday on four shots, but continues to be off the top power play. Uh, we don't even have to talk about him, but I will just say, like, if he was dropped, like, I'm not saying he's like dead to me. Like, I would still stream him in once in a while for sure. If he has a good schedule, a good deployment, like Monday, Wednesday, if he's available for next week, I like him. I'd probably still grab Zach Cassian if the plan is to just stream him for two games and then drop him. But uh, yeah, I'm done. I promise it's going to take a lot for me to once again come on this podcast and say, guys, if Clef Bombsville, you need to have him because he's on the top power play in Edmonton. Like, he hasn't done anything there for so long. I'm done. Finito. No more Oscar Clef Bomb until he does something for a long time. 
question, Elon, uh, and Dave too. Sorry, Dave, I'm just so habitually used to saying Elon, but e- I, maybe this is more for you, Elon, because you're saying you're done with Clefbaum. Let's say August, September rolls around, Oscar Clefbaum coming to camp uh, in Edmonton, if he's still there and is being touted as the, the power play quarterback. He says he's in the best shape of his life. Are you, do, you, do you get reinterested in him at that point, or is he actually going to have to do something for a couple weeks first? I'll grab him in the last round or second last round of my draft if uh, if he's available, take a flyer, but uh, he's not someone I'm reaching for because I doubt. I'm, he's, I've given him enough goodwill. I, I'm not waiting for Oscar Clefbaum to show me that he can be a valuable fantasy asset. It's been two seasons of this already, so... I don't care if he's in the best shape of his life. I don't care if he's showing, putting up workout videos like Kovalchuk did over the summer that looked really impressive. Like, I'm sorry, I got to see something from Clefbaum. I know Dave's going to agree with me, right? You're done with Clefbaum also. Yeah, I agree. There's no way that he's going into next season as the top power play QB. Oh, I think he might, like, just because there's no other options, even though right now Darnell Nurse has been great, so maybe not. But even if he is, I don't know if he could hold it. Uh uh, one more injury, then we're going to finish up this show here. we got some line talk to finish it up. Mike Green, out for the season, like you mentioned, in Detroit. Uh, Nicholas Cronwell, actually on a hot streak. He had two assists uh, versus Tampa, and then he had four, po- like four points in his last four games going to today, but then Bupkis today in the 6-1 loss to Sam Montebo. Sam Montebo? Yeah, I think that's his pronunciation. Uh, he's the, He was the goalie for the Florida Panthers. Detroit only took 20 shots on Montebo, and yeah, oh, only one went in. Nothing for Nick Cronwell. You have Philip Hironik also getting a big deployment bump in Green's absence. He has six assists in his last nine games now. Any interest in either of these guys for a boring Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule? Like, the good thing is Larkin, who's been out for the last couple of games, they're saying he might be back next week. Maybe not. If he's back, I'd imagine that will help a defenseman get points, but hard to imagine. Like, I'd rather Cam Fowler over one of these guys. Brian, uh, I don't know. Maybe you disagree because you don't think Anaheim will score, but how can you be so confident Detroit will score? Well, I, no, I do agree. I, I don't think Detroit is any more reliable, especially with the way they deploy their power play quarterbacks. Like, Nicholas, you know, you know this just like short circuits my brain and, and there's not a whole lot I can say. What is really interesting is that like the Red Wings have two alternatives, right? They have Philip Ronick and they have Dennis Cholowski, who just does not seem to uh, be in coach's good graces. Like his ice time, mostly in the 13 to 15 minutes. Like he's seeing bottom pairing minutes, even though he started the season, seeing top pair minutes and doing well with them. So I, I just, I don't get, as as I often don't get, uh, this obsession with certain role players in Detroit. There's no good reason to have Nicholas Cronwell quarterbacking your power play. Ronick, fine. Like, let's do that. Uh, but if not, it should absolutely be Cholowski. I'm not saying go pick up Cholowski because it looks like it won't be him. Uh, this is just me expressing my frustration. Yeah, Ronick's looked great. I picked him up in the couple. He's been awesome. I think he's going to continue to do great. And yeah, in the, the fantasy hockey playoffs, it's hard to find guys that are going to produce on the top power play for their team on the waiver wire. So absolutely pick him up. Same thing goes for Cam Fowler. I like him too this week. Obviously, I like the Ducks, so pick uh-huh. him up. If you're making me choose between the two, oh, it's like making me choose my children. But <laughs> I will go with Fowler. Yeah. Hey, he plays more games next week, right? Four games instead of three. So let that be the tiebreaker. Uh, by the way, Brian, this is not anything in my notes, but remember how I texted you like yesterday or the day before Mikhail Backlund was cold and I'd added him this week and I was kind of bummed about it, but I said, I guarantee he's going to score soon. Uh, I kind of used the do theory also. Look at that. He scored a goal today. So pretty happy about that. We're, we're already winning this matchup. I'm still happy and- to see him producing. You know who else has a goal? Someone we mentioned last week, Andrew Mangiapani. 
has <gasps> four, four goals. Yeah, he does the fourth goal from Garnet Hathaway and Travis Hamannick. So, like, he's not in a great situation, uh, but he scored. Good for him. You know who scored for Vegas tonight, Elon? Brandon Peary from Alex Tuck and Cody Eakin. We have a line three sighting here. <laughs> yeah, still I would drop these guys for next week because they don't play till Friday. But yeah, they're not nobodies. Like, Vegas is a good team. I'm surprised they're losing. Oh, it's because Malcolm Subban's in net. When Fleury's in net, this team is VV good. Okay, let's do some line talk to end the show here. Not that we haven't been doing that the whole show already. In fact, I feel like when Eric Carlson retires, we could probably just rename our show to Line Talk with Elon and Brian because that's basically what this show is. Uh, but yeah, so Calgary. Oh, we. I was. Why did I? Oh, I was about to bring up Calgary. Could have just said it then. Anyways, yeah, Calgary hasn't scored anymore. They only had two goals or less in each of their last five games until today because they're already up three to one against Malcolm Subban and Vegas. So uh, still, though, no points for Elias Lindholm. And that is a bummer because Lindholm, even though he was shaking up the line. Oh, yeah, this is supposed to be line talk. Yeah, Lindholm was off line one for a bit, playing on line two. Seems like he's back on line one now. But Lindholm was pointless in four, also pointless today after three Flames goals. I'm starting to get nervous. I'm depending on Elias Lindholm to bounce back come my cup full semifinals. He'd been so hot for so long. And uh, yeah, now he's gone cold. And I guess I just want to get your take about Elias Lindholm and overall with the Flames. Are you seeing any issue with this team that hasn't been scoring a lot of goals lately? Do you expect them to start scoring soon? Do Lindholm owners need to start considering him expendable? Calgary plays Tuesday, Friday, Saturday next week. So if he's pointless today and Tuesday, maybe tough to hold him through Wednesday, Thursday, when you can maybe pick someone else up. And I will say I'm not actually nervous. Like I would definitely hold on to him, but I'm curious to know what you think. So I'm sure a lot of Elias Lindholm owners are very nervous right now. Yeah, this is going to be an easy one. Uh, hold on to Elias Lindholm. And the Calgary top line has not been as reliable as they have been most of the season. So uh, Gaudreau, Monaghan, and Lindholm, now that he uh, is back, none of them really doing their jobs, providing the production that they've uh, been giving for much of the season, at least at certain points over the last, uh, it's almost been a month now that they've looked sort of down, they, they've come back down to earth. So uh, it's not to say I think it's going to last. Unfortunately, of their three goals so far tonight, none have been scored by the top line. You've got two from the second line and then the Manjapani goal. Um, but I, I would hold the faith in Elias. Lund- what are you going to do? You're going to drop him? No way. Dave, you're the, you're the guy with – you're the cutthroat streamer. Would you drop Elias home? I would drop him in a 10 and a 12-team league. In a 14-team league and greater, I would hold on to him. Wow. No goodwill from his like point per game pace uh, for the first half of the season. He's cold now. I, as long as he's on the top line and top power play, I'm holding on to Elias Lindholm. Like that is a good deployment. I was worried when he got bumped to the second line. Now that he's back on the top line, I feel like you're dropping him for who, right? Like no one's going to have as high upside as this guy who's shown that he can score a lot of goals. I'm I'm also just feeling like since Calgary has been playing enough shallow leagues. I guess maybe not. Maybe you're right. So we need to get on that for next season to be able to help more people. I guess just Calgary isn't scoring a lot of goals lately. So that makes me feel a little bit better about Lindholm. Like it's not only his fault. It's more like unless we're going to say that Calgary is has a systematic issue. And it seems like it's still a bit too small of a sample size to get too worried about that. And hey, they're already starting to break out today against Vegas. Uh, Back to line talk here. Drake Kajula is injured on Chicago. So they've been running all new lines. If you recall, it was Kajula with Kane and Taves for so long. But now we've got all new lines. And again, another team Chicago plays Monday, Wednesday. So you might want to grab one of these guys for the early week. Uh, So here are your options. Patrick Kane has been playing with Dominic Cahoon and Artem Anisimov 
on the top line. That's what they were rolling with in yesterday's 2-1 win over Dallas. Nothing for Anisimov yesterday, but he did score twice against Buffalo on Thursday. And he did take four shots on Hudobin yesterday, uh, you know, in that game versus Dallas. Uh, Cahoon never gets points. Forget about him. But uh, Artem Anisimov seems to be doing pretty well lately, and he's playing with Patrick Kane. Then you got Jonathan Tave centering a line with uh, Brandon Saad and Dylan Sakura. Uh, Sakura's a guy who we thought going into the season might be a top six guy. Finally, he is playing with uh, Jonathan Taves like we expected. Of course, he's done nothing. Saad has done nothing lately. Uh, Taves worries me. I guess you probably don't drop Jonathan Taves, especially since I said the schedule is decent for next week. But uh, I guess the other interesting guy to me, aside from Anisimov, is maybe Brendan Perlini, who's been playing with Strom and Debrinket, and he has three goals in his last four games. Uh, what do you guys think? Are any of these guys interesting? Do you guys want to throw some names at the listeners so they have some options to look at? Decent schedule, playing with good players. Do you like Anisimov playing with Kane on line one or Perlini playing with Strom and Debrinket? I do like Anisimov playing with Patrick Kane, although no more than I ever have. Like we've seen Anisimov play long, long stretches with Patrick Kane and still just barely managed to be a half point per game guy. But if Chicago has a good schedule, uh, the odds of get with and the odds of you getting a point are about 50%. That could be an upgrade on your lowest roster player, depending on the depth of your league. So you should keep it in mind. Also keep in mind uh, that he's scored three times on 14 shots over his last six games. So that's not a terribly sustainable shooting. I guess I'm saying I'm not really high on him, but he's sort of got like that third wheel allure because he plays with Patrick Kane. One name you didn't mention, Elon, or maybe you did, and I did my classic not listening to you thing. Uh, Duncan Keith. Have you seen the role he's on? No. What's he up to? He's getting some points. He is getting some points. He's one of the Blackhawks' leading scorers uh, over the last couple of weeks with five points in his last six. And you can go back even further than that uh, to laud him. He has 11 points in his last 12 games, two goals, nine assists. Uh, strangely, only one. Well, not strangely, because he's not getting a ton of time there, but uh, one power play point. So he has 10 even strength points, or well, it's actually nine. I guess there might have been a pulled goalie involved. But in his last 12 games, that's amazing for Duncan Keith. Uh, he's throwing almost a couple shots on goal. So he's actually uh, more so than any of these forwards you've mentioned, Elon. I'm actually kind of interested in Duncan Keith. Eh, I don't know. Whatever. He'll probably not keep it up. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's what you've said all year, and you've generally been right. So I will give you that. Brandon Side, of all the names you mentioned, is the only one who's really shooting regularly 16 shots over the last two weeks and six games played. Uh, nobody else really taking shots. Like Brendan Perlini, we used to like him in Arizona because he was uh, good at occasionally throwing a whole lot of pucks on net, but he uh, has not done that as a member of the Blackhawks. He did have a six-shot game. That's when he scored one. Uh, that was at home to Buffalo. But outside of that, he has three shots in three games and doesn't play a lot. So, Yeah, Dave, interested in any of these Blackhawks for next week? All righty. Let me break it down for you. It's <laughs> the end go. of the podcast. You might be losing focus right now. What? I'm here to give it to you straight. You're not picking up any Blackhawks right now that aren't already on your roster. If they happen to be, you're not going to drop them for a Monday. You might even keep them for a Wednesday. And I know that schedule of Monday to Wednesday might look appealing for an early week matchup, but it's really not. The Coyotes are hot. I like them to hold the Blackhawks to under their normal four goals. And then they play at Toronto on Wednesday. I like Freddie Anderson to kind of simmer them down a little bit. And then they only play once more at Montreal. 
presumably against Carey Price. So get rid of any grandiose ideas of you picking up Blackhawks. Leave them be. All right. There it is. Uh, okay. I'll agree with you then. Uh, Brian, by the way, you wouldn't recommend that anyone swaps Gustafsson with Duncan Keith, right? Gustafsson's still the defenseman to own in Chicago. I don't care about this uh, point streak. Agreed. Okay. Uh, let's end the show here. One more guy I want to talk about. A new name on the podcast that just got a win today. Sam Montembeau on Florida got a second straight win today against this tired Larkin-less Detroit team. He also beat Minnesota on Friday. It's a really weird goalie situation in Florida. And actually, ask on Facebook if anyone knows what's going on. Maybe uh, one of you guys do because Reimer and Luongo are both healthy now. Reimer was out for a bit, uh, but he's back. Uh, Luongo played three games in a row before Sam Montembeau got these last two games. He lost all three versus Boston, Pittsburgh, and Ottawa. It's pretty bad, by the way, to lose to Ottawa. Come on, Florida. Uh, but yeah, uh, Luongo wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. James Reimer hasn't played since the end of February, but he's healthy now. So what are they going to do? Because Sam Montembeau all of a sudden has two wins in a row. And like, why not keep riding him? Florida plays Thursday, Saturday, Sunday next week. So they have a bit of a break now. And then they're going to play uh, three games at the end of the week. Which Florida goalie, like, is it just, a, should you just might as well drop all your Florida goalies since it's no way to even know who's going to play? So why hold someone to potentially not even get a game of them by the end of the week? Yeah, that's it. I don't think you want a Florida goalie. Florida as a team is not uh, a terribly safe team to be playing behind as a goalie. And Sam Montembeau has been a nice little run he's on, uh, sort of. I mean, he's still just a 9.04 over three games with Florida this season. And he was no better in the AHL. Uh, he's played two seasons or parts of two seasons with Springfield now and uh, has been about a, like just less than a 900 goalie uh, former third round pick of the Panthers back in 2015 he's still young he's just 22 years old so I'm not gonna like say much about his future this seems like a good chance for the Panthers to figure out if they've got someone in their system that they can count on and maybe that's why he's getting starts uh, but I wouldn't like that's not enough to make me interested in owning him. I would rather own one of the St. Louis tandem than Montembeau, even if he starts another like two games over the course of the season compared to them. Yeah. Crazy. You wouldn't want to add Sam Montembeau now when he doesn't potentially play till Thursday. Maybe he won't play. I think the bigger takeaway is maybe you're dropping Luongo or Reimer just because you don't know what's going to happen. By the way, Brian, uh, Chris in the chat room, back to your talk about Hironic and Chalowski. Like he's saying that uh, Dabra Prospects has had Hironic well ahead of Chalowski for years. So it seems like it makes sense that Hironic is getting the power play time over him. It's yeah, more... I'm, not, I'm not saying it should have been Chalowski. I'm just saying, like, if I had to choose players ahead of Cronwall, there's at least two. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Uh, I'm good, guys. Uh, unless, uh, Dave, you have any final thoughts before we uh, get let people go home? Go home? Yeah. Where do you think they are? They, maybe they're out going for a run. And now, like they, they told themselves, you know what? I'm just going to run until this podcast ends. And that's their motivation to keep going. Well, now you get on. to go home. For, first off, <laughs> I do have a final point. But before that, I got to say, as someone who's a podcast you know, uh, listener myself... People love long podcasts. Like you're either like burning up time in a long commute or you're burning up time at work, you know, something like that. No one likes a little like 30 minute podcast, something like that. People love this stuff. All right. Because it it keeps them out of their house. (laughs) Keeps them away from their their kids. I saw your notes. Let's talk about that Pittsburgh top line. <laughs> no, we got to go, Dave. I got to go. Uh, Dominic Simone, the latest guy there. We'll see how long. It no, happens. Jesse McCann. Oh, McCann is back now. Wait, don't you mean Jared McCann? Yeah, McCann. Jesse McCann. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh 
Oh, uh, I walked right into that one. That's, That's an episode title right there. We didn't talk about him, but yeah, he has been on the top line today with Crosby and Gensel and uh, Pittsburgh won, right? Again, Gensel, all-star Jake Gensel, killing yeah. it. My, Brian, or Brian Murray, Matt Murray gets uh, to his second. Brian, on a back-to-back, Matt Murray played <laughs> both games and he stops uh, 39 of 41 against wow. Boston. So there you go. See, I'm, all I'm saying is They're it's not like busted. a guaranteed. I'm just saying it's not a guaranteed loss. I think sometimes the no, way you talk about it. Who said it is? All right. It's Great. a lower probability of performing well. But but we sh- we need to give uh, – I think Dave did just name uh, our episode because Jared McCann, we, we need to talk about him. Seven points in his last seven games uh, playing on the top line today with Gensel and Crosby, which, of course, means that uh, you mentioned Dominic Simone. Elon. He was with Hornqvist and Bugstad today so uh down to the third line essentially uh Bjergstad, kind of a bust for anybody rushed as you mentioned last week uh but Jared McCann if he can hold that spot as we say about every single third wheel in that spot who can't hold it uh but you want him while he's there yeah Brian though I mean uh Hornfist got an assist today I think he's on a three game point streak so I wouldn't call him a bust but I wouldn't expect it to keep him going he had two power play points in two games in a row and you know Hornfist generally doesn't get too many power play points can, can we end the show here I, I, got Dave, Ryan, I, I just want to you... get in in Dave's twisted third like third wheel slash not rankings Dave where does McCann fit alongside Cassian and Sam Reinhardt for this next week yeah oh um second okay pittsburgh goes tuesday thursday saturday sunday by the way so ahead of cassian no no ahead of reinhardt ahead of (laughs) reinhardt yeah oh Uh, did you did you see did you just name check steve reinbrecht (laughs) all right thanks patrick hornquist by the way seven points in his last 10 games wait hold on brian let's get let's get your real-time thoughts right now you're projected to lose point by two points losing out of the top two. not even you're rounding okay Less so than two. yeah did you lose it, is it over no, no it's my i have over, two yeah. periods left of goudreau and uh, a couple periods left of fowler versus uh her a uh, couple periods of theodore and hampus shay theodore and hampus lindholm so basically, you just need a goal from Johnny Gaudreau and for Theodore and Lindholm to not do anything, and you're good. I feel like that's very likely. So those of you listening can go and check and see if Gaudreau scored a goal in the third period to get Brian into the cupful Tier 1 playoffs. But guys, with that, thank you everyone so much for listening to this week's show. We really appreciate you sticking with us all season long, and hopefully we've helped you going into your playoffs. We've thrown a lot of names at you. Maybe we've thrown so many names at you that now you have no idea who to pick up, but at least you know who your options are. And hopefully we've done a good job of trying to tell you who we like and who we don't like of all yeah. Jared McCann. Yeah, grab Jared McCann. But he only plays Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So uh, if you're busy on Thursday, oh, Saturday. only four games. Okay, yeah. So uh, if you like the show, we would obviously love a good review on iTunes. That really helps us out, I think. I assume it does, actually. Yeah, because every once in a while when we're trying to get like a new advertiser or something, we like try to point them to our reviews on iTunes. I don't even know if they look at it. But generally, podcasters ask for it. I like to just feel good about myself by reading these reviews. So do us a favor. Give us a five-star review if you like the show. If you don't like the show, just forget about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, to follow us on Twitter at Keeping Carlson. If you want to become a patron, you still can. Just because it's the end of the season doesn't mean you can't become a patron. KeepingCarlson.com slash patron. Support us for a month. Get in the Facebook group. See what Dave and Brian are going to bet on. And we'll try to help you out for the rest of the season. Then you can cancel it. Or we're actually going to have a discount in the summer where for any amount of money, you can stay a patron, be in the group, help support the show, be a part of our community. So something to consider. And if you are a patron right now, 
please don't cancel it. Uh, bring it down to a buck and you'll still get all the, the perks. And stuff. Not yet, but you know, once the season's over. So anyways, keepitcarlson.com slash patron for all of that. With that, let's cue the outro music. And Brian, why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our patrons. And uh, also thanks, Dave, for being here. Dave, do you want to plug your Twitter or anything? No. <laughs> okay, do not follow dave on twitter uh, whatever you do don't even try to find him on twitter he is a terrible person to follow in his own opinion uh also thanks to our latest itunes reviewer uh, but that was like a month ago so we see that like we're getting some five-star reviews and we appreciate it uh but if you want to write a short note that goes a long way Sorry, Elon, I know you don't like to ask people, but that's that's just that's the stretch goal. Um, okay, this episode was re- researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Natural Stat Trick, Evolving Hockey, Charting Hockey, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, and Yahoo! Okay, great job as always. Brian, thank you so much at Yin's Jeet Jet for joining <laughs> us on the show. And uh, thanks again for everyone listening. And we will catch you all with another regular episode next week. Is that reverse doxing? Telling people about someone's public Twitter account? Well, like, <laughs> everybody knows Dave's name, but you just shared his Twitter account. He, Dave can make it private. He's got, by the way, 1,056 followers. He's not a nobody here. This is a guy uh, who has some following. Dave, throw some of those our way. <laughs> all right. Dave, you want to say anything? Uh, thank you again. Like, you did a really great job. This has been a blast. Uh, join the patron group. Don't be a square. Okay, there you go. Brian, say your catchphrase. We gotta get out of here. Until next time, keep on keeping Carl Son. Bye-bye.